Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Welcome to a special episode of Then Is Now Podcast. I'm your host, Rigor, and today's show is the first in a new series within the series that we're doing called Pop Culture Chat. Basically, we're just going to have guests on and have a stream of consciousness discussion about all things pop culture, including movies, TV shows, comics, more. Everything and anything is fair game. So joining me on this inaugural episode is frequent guest co-host, Spency. How's it going, Spence? Back in college. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm back. I'm happy to be back. And I it's both stressful and relieving to be here. <laughs> I can totally understand. Oh, my God. Awesome. So uh, also joining us is newcomer to the show who recently appeared on an episode of our live streaming series called Fright Lounge. It's Michael. What's new, Michael? Hey, hey, hey. I'm uh, just joining you from Hawaii. Yeah, that's right. I live in Hawaii. <laughs> it, it, it's it's awesome, but it's also just a place. Which you never did send me a picture of the Hawaii Five O statue, by the way. <laughs> hey, you're right. I never did. Jesus Christ! I've lived here for ten years. And I've never done that. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with me? Jesus. Oh, Sorry no. about that. That's uh, all right. One day, the, the the day you decide to move back to America, you'll be like, "Oh shit! Right, I yes. gotta do that." <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Back to the mainland, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> and also joining us today is podcaster Justin Cooper. Justin, it's been a long time, man, since you've been on the show. I was just thinking, was it uh, our interview with Ron Mars? Was the last one? Was it Ron? Yeah, because we did Burt Ward, yeah. who played yep. Robin on Batman. Um, we talked, to, yeah, with, we talked about Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then we um, we had Ron Mars on. I'm not sure what the order was on those, but yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I just know what was it. Uh, we, we had a deep conversation with Burt Ward. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. He was awesome. And, you know, Ron Mars was great, too. And Mike and, and you guys, Spence and listeners, if you don't know, Ron Mars is a Marvel and DC artist. And his specialty back in the day, and it may still be, was the Silver Surfer and Green Lantern. In fact, I think oh, he even did the crossover comic that came out with those yeah uh the uh marvel versus dc and we we found out uh that not a day goes by where someone does not ask him about the wolverine versus lobo match (laughs) right (laughs) sorry ron (laughs) was he was he the dude that we spoke to that knew jim starling Starling? yes okay yep we we talked about dread star i think uh you and i read a fair amount of dread star in prep i believe yeah yeah i I liked it too It it was pretty good yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very good. So if show uh, folks, if you haven't already figured out, this show is basically just going to be a free form. Like I said, there's no structure. We're just going to shoot the shit about stuff we love to talk about. So right. why don't you sit back and get ready for a fun conversation? 
I'll start things off. I got a couple topics I wanted to bring up um, in terms of pop culture. Um, I can't recall now. I think it was a week or two ago. Uh, my wife and I had the good fortune to go with uh, four of her friends to see Rick Springfield perform in New Hampshire. Woohoo! It was awesome. And um, the uh, men at work. Actually, Tommy Two-Tone opened first. Oh, no way! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. His song, for those who don't know, is 8675309. And he did a bunch of, of other songs. the best songs from the 80s. I love that song. Yeah. And then Men at Work did their hits, uh, Down wow. Under and um, Who Can It Be Now, which, of course, we'd been drinking. So I, every so often, I'm like, now? I always look at someone and go, what? but who can it be now? <laughs> <laughs> I just who, don't know. Who can it be? Who? <laughs> who can they, it be? They never answered the question. Oh, my God. What the hell is Vegemite? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> There was one moment, though, where we were sitting in the middle of the concert, enjoying the shit out of it. I mean, Mike, I sent you videos from it. I think yes. I sent you some too, Spence, right? You did. <laughs> uh, Spence, are you there? Yeah, I was muted. I've been muted. I've been talking to myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this happens to me a lot. That's uh, right. yeah, I do you, it always. You've probably uh, sent me anything true. to do with your uh, general hospital adventures, uh, Pop. It's everything you do. I've done everything <laughs> for you. <laughs> you've done nothing for <laughs> me. I've done he, he played all his greatest hits. It was awesome. But there's this moment where <clears throat> we're in the audience, right? We're enjoying the show. Now I'm sitting there, my wife is to the left of me and her four friends are to the left of her. And the two friends right next to her stand up and start dancing. Well, this dude behind us gets pissed and he takes his phone and puts the flashlight on and like sticks it in between their heads. And I didn't, from my vantage point, I thought he was touching them or something. So I leaned over and I slapped his arm out of the way. And he got all fucking pissy with me and got in my face. And then he starts like, I don't know if he was or not, but he's recording me with his phone. At least that's what he wanted me to believe. And I, it was funny because something snapped in my head. And it's not what you think. I didn't go nuts to Wolverine and punch him in the face or anything, which I was about to. Yeah. But I went, I, I, I all of a sudden went into shameless self-promotion mode. And I'm like, oh, you're recording me? Then is now a podcast. Record me now. Let it go viral. I want it to go viral. I'm like, I'll fucking kick your ass, man. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh man! So I haven't I haven't seen that. Uh, so was it just a misunderstanding then? Like he he, he just was pissed because they stood up and he couldn't see the concert. He couldn't see oh, the stage. Okay. So security came. They moved us to um, another row of seats that were actually closer, and there was no one behind us, so they could stand up and dance if they wanted. But they they weren't standing like on the chairs, right? No, they, they were just standing up and where the, in front God. of their seats. And like you're not going to dance to Tommy Two-Tone. I mean, come on. Right. I know. <laughs> and I lifted my I arm up. I was going to punch him in the head, and Charlene grabbed my arm and pulled me a be- pulled me back. And that's <laughs> when security came. Oh, my God. So It's like, you know, at that point, it's like, how well can you really see the stage anyway? Right. Like, just listen. You're there to listen to the music, you know? And yeah. You know and, what the guy looks like. And they were eye-magging things on giant video screens like they always do nowadays on, on yeah. either side of the stage. So there was every every point, every seat was a good vantage point. Yeah. What, what was the venue like? Was it like a Coliseum or was it like, uh, uh, I don't know if you've been to Mohegan Sun, but oh yeah, like that. We saw, actually, we saw, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Frankie Valley at the Mohegan Sun a few months ago. Oh yeah, I heard he was still uh, touring. Yeah, 87 years old, still belting out too. <laughs> this wasn't huge. Bow, 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 bow. This wasn't them high notes? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. He couldn't dance. He just stood there and sang, but he was belting them out. <laughs> Sounds like a Tony Bennett and uh, like his last tour where he was just kind of sitting in a chair with Lady Lady Gaga. Oh, you yeah. Know, just like, hey, this is crazy. You. Yeah. <laughs> just let, sitting there. let me ask my manager a question. Hey, honey. How big would you say the venue was in New Hampshire? Was in was it in Litchfield? Where was it? <laughs> she doesn't remember. <laughs> well, it began with an L. But anyways, would, how big would you say it was? Was okay. She she compared it to Great Woods. I remember Great Woods. Yeah, Guilford, New Hampshire. That's oh, Guilford. What it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was I, I was just thinking of my my history of New England, and I only know two towns in uh, Lexington and Concord. Oh, they. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's hilarious. But I, I'm a Connecticut guy, so I'm a New England guy. So uh, you know, I, I live in Illinois now, but uh, I'm very familiar with the venues that you you uh, were talking about there. Oh, there you go. And one of our friends who came with us um, lives in Connecticut now. Oh, nice. So that was kind of cool. So one other quick thing I wanted to bring up was um, uh, I think I texted. Some of you guys, I think, Mike, I texted you this. Um, there's this movie that I covered for um, that is now. It's hands down one of the most amazing films I've seen in a long time. It's called Only Lovers Left Alive. And it's with Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. And they're basically these vampires that live forever. And it's like I said in, in the show that we did about it. Not since Blade Runner and The English Patient has a movie just visually captured me from the beginning to the end. I could not take my eyes off it. In fact, I ended up watching it like three times in in three days. It was it's so good. It's it's a slow burn. I know Spence, you don't particularly like slow burns, but if you like Blade Runner and you like vampire stories, this is like totally different than any other vampire film you've ever seen. It's not overly graphic. It's not overly bloody. There is some blood in it. But it's just an amazing tale of two people who cannot die. So I highly recommend this movie. I like Tilda Swinton a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like her too. I've, I've grown to enjoy a lot of the stuff that she's in. But I wouldn't say that I dislike slow burns. It's that I find that it's very, very easy to screw up. Like I went and saw the Batman and that was three hours. And I was on the edge of my seat for like, like two hours and 50 minutes out of those three hours. Right. Yeah. And that was, you know, considerably a slow burn. Yeah. So I I just think that some movies do it right. And some movies do it wrong and just end up losing me half the time. Yeah. Yeah. Man, speaking of Batman, I don't know if we want to go down that road at all. I had some uh, topics right. Thinking of, I, kind of avoided seeing it because i was like oh jesus christ another fucking incarnation of batman <laughs> and uh you know and i'm like i just i'm i'm burned out i'm so tired like can't they take a break from him for a few years and then do another one like it just seems like constant you know so i really had this bad attitude and i didn't really want to go want to see it and uh then it became available on like hbo plus or something and i was like all right you know i'll watch hbo max and um and I watched it and I like, like Spencer just said, I was like riveted. I like got like 15 minutes in and I was like, oh my God, this is good. Yeah. And then I just totally lost track of time and, you know, I didn't even notice that it was long. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. That, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt, it gave me the Braveheart moment of like, it felt yeah. like these two different movies in a way, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was so well choreographed that it didn't it didn't have any moment where I was like, OK, here's a good time to go pee. <laughs> choreographed. Were there a dance number in there I missed? 
Don't you remember the bat to see? The bat to see. Isn't that what choreographed means? Yeah, well, yeah, fight okay. scenes can was... be choreographed too, though. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's true. That's pacing. You know, you're right. I was okay. probably. Yeah. But you know, the one thing I loved about that movie is, and that was the, the big takeaway for me was they they made Batman fucking scary. He was terrifying in that movie, and it was awesome. He's yeah. just creepy. He just lurked. And what yeah, about the change to, at the end? Because you, your point about, about him being scary. Up. And then you get to the end and it's like he actually turns into a beacon of hope for these people, which is yeah. so important for character development. He's yeah. never had that in any other film ever. Not That's Michael true. Keaton, not, you know, Christian Bale, not Ben Affleck, anything. He's never been a beacon of hope until now. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. But this is the weird dichotomy of we want scary but then at the same time, we want like the Bruce Wayne that leads the Justice League by sheer principle. And and then we want the, the Batman that, that works with all the cops. So they had to find this like weird mix of, of, yeah. of all of it in between. And I thought it was done superbly well with the fact that he was at the crime scenes, but like he wasn't respected yet. But then eventually yeah, yeah. he started doing everything. Yeah. yeah. And that was yeah, the thing. He solved most of them himself, too. Like he didn't have to put it into a computer where Lucius Fox did it or yeah 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 right even though he did team up with Alfred and all that so yeah well yeah yeah that's what I was going to bring up too is that he they took his detective skills and finally used them to its fullest right you know we haven't really seen that before I mean yeah what was it the the last Christian Bale one where he had a hack into everybody's camera or every camera in the world to try and stop the bad guy and it was like no he didn't yeah. like you said Justin he didn't need oh, technology yeah. to solve it yeah yeah that, that last Christian Bale movie left a sour taste and I think many yeah. fans mouths because it just it wasn't as good as you thought and it doesn't hold up on on subsequent watches no you know whereas I, Dark Knight really does I yeah. like it. I like this. I, I was I only disappointed yeah. with uh, the lack of venom in Bane. But other than mm-hmm. that, I thought that this that that movie was good because of the villain and not so much really too much else. But the thing with Batman for people in my mm-hmm. generation, all the Gen Zers and stuff, is we grew up with the Batman Arkham games, mm-hmm. which are widely popular and amazingly well done. So they take all of Batman's rogues gallery and make the and take a bunch of his stories and add a, and uh, adapt them uh, into this like you know one long video game that they make. And you encounter so many different villains and so many different you know um, situations like. Scarecrow in one game is like this side mission that you can do. Scarecrow in another game is part is part of the uh, main story, and in the like one of the later games, he's the main villain of everything. Uh, so I so there's a whole generation that knows something about Batman, and then they there's this level of like they have to appeal to both my generation who know you know the the Batman who goes solo and isn't really the best person and has this very flawed moral code, on top of all the people who have seen him prior. And are expecting, you know, something different. Yeah. There's so much media out there, too, about it. I mean, he's been around for 85 years. You've got, yeah. you know, what, like 12 different movies or so? You right. know, I, I don't even know if it's... Yeah, because there's there's definitely, like, a, a well, lot. There, there if was, you're including Justice League and... There was four from the Michael Keaton one. Yeah. And three Christian Bales. Mm-hmm. And then he was in Batman vs. Superman. Which I liked. 
it was it had, a, it had a big plot hole but i liked it it's it's not unwatchable I, you I, know it's like no. he was in he was in suicide squad that's right yep, yep. that was good i thought i thought that, that was appearance was good yeah he was in justice league which i will wait, say wait 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 are we talking about the first suicide squad or the batman like, and deadshot uh, appearance in the i don't movie? see I why it was, was so bad i think it was the second it. suicide squad no, it oh, was the first one. Oh, it was the first one? Okay. It was the first okay, one. Okay, the scene with Batman. Yes. The scene with Batman was okay. All right, the I, rest of that movie was horse shit. I'm sorry. I, I, think <laughs> I think there's some watchable parts to that to that film. Like, uh, we, we were just talking about this uh, on the Dork Knight podcast the other day that uh, they did they did a great job with Killer Croc. And he doesn't get I, a lot yeah. of credit in that. And you're like, he looked awesome. He came in, he was imposing. He did his one water scene and he was out. And I'm like, you know what? Good. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. he's not poor Slipknot. <laughs> that was that, I thought that was funnier than anything personally because Slipknot's such a such a z-lister that they were like we're just going to show him and then kill him and call it a day but I agree that having Killer Croc was really enjoyable for me because uh, yeah all right is it a, a poor movie yes but does oh, it have a lot of cool characters that I enjoy seeing that never get any love in the other movies yeah Mm-hmm. I, I like this the Suicide Squad films and even the one the Harley Quinn one that came after. Um, I I <sighs> like them so much more than Batman vs Superman and the non Snyder Cut Justice League, which I fucking hated that movie until I watched the Snyder Cut and then I I really really liked the Snyder version. Wow, I I have to ask why you're so down on it because to me it was like it was a C minus and then the Snyder Cut came out and it's like okay you've turned a C minus into a C plus. Because yeah. it was like yeah. that I much. I wouldn't go that far. I right. would say that it was like, it was a C minus. I don't think it's, it was they're a They're above flop. average films. You know, it's like, they're not terrible. It's not like Plan Z from uh, outer space. For, for me, it started yeah. with Man of Steel. I fucking hated that movie because that was not my Superman. That yeah, was not, that. as you said, the beacon of hope. He was not a beacon of hope in that movie. He felt bad that he had powers. He felt bad for himself. It was just, he was dark and brooding and the whole movie was dark. And I, I just really wish they hadn't gone that route with that character because I was expecting I wasn't expecting Christopher Reeve Superman but at least something more uh, I don't know more uplifting in a film and this was uh, yeah. just and then he kills General Zod in it and I was like yeah, really that was tough. I, I personally I agree with you that they didn't do Superman right but I will concede to the fact that they wanted to do something different and wanted to have a bit more of a grittier take because we have Christopher Reeve. Nobody is taking that away from us. So I don't see it any wrong that they have to have the Superman who now grapples with the fact that he had to kill his one connection to his to his home. And I was hoping that what they would they would flesh out is this would be where Superman changes and kind of a reverse injustice situation where he instead says, no, I'm not going to kill anybody. We're going to do this right. We're not going to have any problems anymore. Yeah. Something like that. By the way, uh, not to get off on a well, I guess anything goes when it comes to tangents here on this show. But um, uh, you mentioned Injustice and there's an animated movie of that on HBO Max. And I've, I, I think I sent it to you when I when I first found it. And I've only watched like the first five minutes in it. But in the first five you minutes. Stop there. OK, I won't say anything then. <laughs> you can, the, no, you can, you can stop there. Um, yeah. With, with the lines on the knuckles and all that. Oh, my God. Is that I did not see so, the movie, but I played watch. the game. So I know I know the game, you know, the story of one and two and one is a little better for obvious reasons. But to me, one, the first injustice does something very, very specific uh, aside from the uh, the uh, the awesome storyline and, the you know, what happens when you when Superman becomes the god that he is specifically the Joker 
that, in that in yeah. that game i haven't seen the movie but in that game the joker is spectacular once again it's mark hamill can't go wrong there but the way he's written is even yeah. better because when he when <laughs> i'm sorry but when he gets thrown across the room and then batman and superman are now have to have this conversation of what are we going to do about the joker joker stands up dusts himself off cracks a joke at the expense of superman's now dead wife and child and sits down with no fear that's joker that to <laughs> yeah, me is was, what, what makes yeah. a great, great joker that that is uh well actually it's it's interesting because in this an- animation uh kevin pollack the actor does uh the voice of the joker which is not bad oh it's, what, it's really? one of the things i actually really like and uh anson mount does the voice oh, yeah. of batman wow and, and that's right yeah. I, I like that yeah. um the if you if you like the video game series if you like the comic series that they did and they did a sequel to it and all that they're great uh, the, the this animated one is so different and they went in such different directions that it really just was not my favorite thing and I wanted to like it so much and I could not even get past the stupid black line knuckles uh, that they have when, when you look at the animation it's really like uh, I, I don't know like a dark outline sort of thing hmm. it's it's kind of oh. like for me it was a hard watch and I was like ah yeah I, I watched watch, it twice like I said five minutes so I'll have to watch it again or watch the whole thing, I should say. I just want to say one thing about Man of Steel. I actually really loved it the first time I saw it, and then it doesn't hold up to subsequent viewings as well. Uh, yeah. And I know Roger, I know you hated it, but <laughs> I, if I if I may uh, sort of play the play the this, the role that that you guys were just doing about how much I hated um, uh, Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad. Yeah. But there were like mo- the bits in it that were good for me. Man of Steel, the when the when the general Zod and, and blah, blah, blah came down and he was like fighting all three of them at, at, at with super strength and at super speed. And that sequence there, I, that I thought was really cool. They were like beating each other up and then, you know, over the like year in the town. Bam, 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 yeah. Bam. yeah. You know, it, it, did. it looked great. Then he took like, the, there's, okay, there's a great car chase awesome. in Terminator three, you know, but it's like, Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that movie captures the that it captures the strength of Superman very well, yeah. and the intensity of flight was done amazingly. Like the way the way we see it before is like you know it's it was with the, with the power that they had, but when you walk into Man of Steel, you're flying with Superman right right down to the G forces. You're sitting in your seat and you can almost feel the pressure. <laughs> That's a good point. And yeah. I really loved that. I loved just that whole scene of him learning to fly and really figuring it out was Post really, Matrix really enjoyable. Effects. Yeah, I like that. So because it's it's all probably the same companies too. You know, they're Warner Brothers and such. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of that, that's one thing I liked about the Batman, which was that you know, all these movies are done in these dark green kind of sepia, not sepia, but these green tones that kind of started with the Matrix. And the Batman was done in a sepia tone, which mm-hmm. is, we haven't seen that before. And I loved it. I yeah. thought that was a great, you know, um, atmosphere for the film. Yeah. That's that the, noir feeling. Yeah. One of the things I loved about the Batman also is the lack of pointless humor injected into the movie for no fucking reason i mean nolan didn't do much humor either but i mean just late just having you know the the trend with marvel lately is like joke 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 and uh batman was just fucking serious through the whole thing and i was like thank you you know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and whenever there was a joke it was funny for the people in the scene as well 
Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't this like forced thing for the audience to kind of like slightly chuckle at. It was something that actually seemed to come a little bit more naturally. I, I agree with you there. That that humor is hard. Big difference like between he's... that and like Peacemaker and and uh like Thor <laughs> Love and Thunder. Yeah. I didn't see that one oh, either. That I really I have a minimal interest in seeing it because just my my own personal grievances with how how they have handled many characters before and how they're about to handle a character now. Yeah. Which one are you talking about? Like uh, Thor and Thunder? So from my understanding, I have not seen it, but from the promotional material, it looks it's Jane Foster essentially becomes the next Thor, gains Thor's abilities and things like that. And if that is the case, I could be wrong, but if that is the case, (laughs) that's a terrible idea. We haven't seen this (laughs) character for a decade. We have not seen Jane Foster since Thor the dark thor the dark oh so you haven't read the jason aaron run where this all happened in the comics first then she joins the avengers she gets into a uh romantic relationship with the falcon you know and and it like goes through all this stuff like this is like years and years of stuff that's but but my problem is the mcu and i hate Thor, by the way just just you know like marvel comic store i like the movie one but i i don't like the character so i'm not gonna claim to be an expert on this guy because i think he's an ass clown so, yeah. I'm not I'm not debating you there, but I am saying that that when it comes to the MCU, if we're going to separate so hard from the comics, which I'm perfectly fine with and mutilate some of my favorite stories in the process, uh, if we're going to separate so far. Can we at least have a decent character? Give it to give it to the Warriors three. You know what I mean? Well, oh, they would have been so Bale much in. better. Yeah, yes, thank Bale you. Thank that you. would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, That's all we that want. Would have been cool. But I, I did want to say I walked in with a little trepidatiousness for Thor: Love and Thunder, especially what you brought up, Mike, about the or what was it, uh, Spencer, about the Jane Foster thing. However, it works. They made it work. I can't. I don't really want to say anything about the film because I think you should just see it and judge for yourself. And it's, it's not what you expect. They actually. It works very well into the story. They kind of bring Thor back to where he's supposed to be. And uh, that's what I liked about that movie is that it there is, is character growth for sure. Yeah, that is in all characters like they grow and, and it's a good story to watch them. You know, but is, is it the best one? No. Is it the worst one? No. no. All right, and all right. I'll, I'll tell you guys, for my money, I still like uh, Thor 2 Dark World because that is a Star Trek movie. Oh, I like that movie. I'm not. Yeah, I it definitely is bad a Star Trek movie. <laughs> is it, you know, it, there's ships, there's totally some is. sort of anomaly they have to fight. Yeah. Is it a little weaker? Yes, but I thought it was really good. I don't know why most of the Marvel community really kind of like, you know. Why don't they go back to the movie? first Thor movie where it's like, yeah, this is so cookie cutter. I want, I want some grit back in the MCU a little bit because we're getting a little farther from that. And I really enjoy the, the, a I, I enjoy. Well, yeah, obviously, but I enjoy like Infinity War when there's it's a yeah. it's a tragedy. The Avengers lose. Yeah. You know what I mean? The Avengers lose. And it, it's, you know, something I thought was a good idea was five years go by. The world is different now. That was great. And then, you know, I I saw Doc, um, Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness and I really liked it for what it was. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that movie. I, a lot of people don't like it. I, I think it, it. scared him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's it's a Sam Raimi film through and yeah. through. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, I I, I love enjoyed that. it. I, I think it was one of the better ones that have come out in a while, and including like some of the series. I I, um, I was not a huge fan of how they ended Wandavision. So no, I, I was so mm. so much on the table. I'm awful. like, are we just not going to talk about Vision? 
I mean, oh, I was know, so upset. And I'm because, only talking about yeah. WandaVision, not talking about the movie because it sounds like Michael hasn't seen it yet. So, yeah. I, I, I like what they've been doing with the Marvel movies. I do understand the criticism that there might be too much humor. Like, for example, don't get me wrong. I'm really enjoying it so far. There's only been two episodes. Is the She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. I haven't I watched that. Oh, my God. So I good. love that show. So good. And it's just like the John Byrne comic from the 80s. You know, she breaks the fourth wall all the time. And uh, what's it? I almost said Eric Bana. Um, Mark Ruffalo <laughs> is in it. And he's like trying to mentor her, and it's just so well done. And it's only half an hour, so it's it's the lighthearted side of the Marvel universe. Now I and They're Moon Knight was Ellie McBeal with it, right? Uh, Ellie McBeal with superpowers. I guess I don't know. It's yeah. not quite as quirky as Ellie McBeal. That show, no, cu- I, no cutaways, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's not seeing like the dancing computer generated baby or anything. But um, I still I... love Ellie McBeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that. I have plenty of grievances. I've gone on this rant before uh, of how they treated Hulk and Hulk's stories in the MCU and how angry I am with the writers yeah. for how they've treated. It. And I, I do want to see She-Hulk. I w- kind of want to see how things go. But there's a there's a few things that I just absolutely cannot stand. And it it upsets me because I have a sneaking suspicion that it's not like the individual writers saying, Hey, wouldn't this be better? It's the studio saying, this is the direction we want to go. You can scrap, you can scrap X, Y, and Z story, which angers me because they mutilated planet Hulk, which is one of Hulk's best stories, which leads into world war Hulk. I want savage. I want grit. I do not want, you know, him to be the comic relief for every single Avengers movie. Right. He's like Black Bolt at this point. He's the uh, stepping stone to get where you need to go. You know, you you beat Black Bolt in the Marvel Universe, and then you're like, wow, this guy's powerful. Now it's like, oh, you beat the Hulk, and you're there. I saw um, Black Bolt. I'm sorry. Um, I I, I was watching, um, you know, I watched a bunch of videos on YouTube about this kind of shit, and one (laughs) one one of the guys was complaining, just as you are, Spencer, about how the MCU, you know, it totally has handled the Hulk in a shitty way. And he said in the first Avengers, everybody's kind of afraid of him because he's the super powerful and he's like a wild card. They don't really know what he's, what he can do, what he's going to do, how much control he has, how much he doesn't have. And then he said, after that, you know, even in, in well, Avengers two, he was like that to some degree. And then after that, it just, it just, they sort of lost that, he, you know, he just became like Shrek. He's, he's not like, <laughs> yeah, um, I was mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, <sighs> it, 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 go, it does go a little against my, even though I know they're separate entities, it goes against my love of the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno show, which is really tragedy through the whole thing from the first oh, episode definitely. to the last, you know, and it's like they kind of did take that away you know i didn't know how they were going to do him like the hulk he's supposed to be on the run all the time he's supposed to be hiding from the authorities but i suppose when you've got powerful heroes like the avengers at some point they're going to capture him and uh, yeah you know, I, well, in the comics he didn't necessarily <laughs> run all the time either right he's he always had, hoping his next leap will it, be the yeah leap it got home. to a <laughs> point where he's <laughs> uh, ziggy says <laughs> do you know they're rebooting that by the way yeah, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh dear Lord, let it Ernie let Hudson's it rest in, in peace. No kidding. Yeah. I'm um, sorry, Spencer. Go ahead, Spencer. Go ahead. I just it, it, I've gone on this rant before with you know how they treated Hulk and how how much how much better the Incredible Hulk is as a movie from 2008, which angers me to hell. No pun intended. Angers me to 
to hell because people say that that's one of the weakest MCU movies. And I think that's because most of the MCU fandom is really, really lame, in my opinion. I have no yeah. problem <laughs> saying that out loud because fandoms Iron are and everything. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. They're awesome. I, I'm all for what they've done with them. I just feel like that Hulk had, you know, was the one who had to take the fall when the Incredible Hulk is one of the best and scariest Hulk movies we will ever see. And I wanted them to keep that. They kind of kept that in the first Avengers where, you know, they're, they're extremely nervous about, you know, being around Banner. And I get that it, by Avengers 2, it was a little bit more relaxed. They had a level of control and he had a level of control. I'm annoyed that they had to have the whole Hulk gets mind controlled again. And then by the third uh, third movie, we don't even get the Hulk. And we, we, we get this, Thor Ragnarok's okay because they give you this like two person, you know, they have to fight for control and they have to, you know, negotiate with each other, which I loved. And then they just kind of like let that die in Endgame. You know, I think I, you're right because they, they got away from its Jekyll and Hyde roots. Which yes. is the best, in my opinion. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know with with the Hulk. Like he's another guy that that to me it's like you can have good stories with the Hulk, but I, I don't know that the Hulk is going to be the most compelling character in a team setting anyway. You know. Um, well, yeah, right. A lot of teams have like the muscle guy that they sort of yeah. ignore. I mean, they need him, but they, you know. I'm an X Men like guy, and I I would <laughs> way I would rather you know like hear a story about like Colossus any day than than the Hulk and all that. You know, like just I I can see where you're coming from. I think they need to lean into the whole mental health aspect for Hulk, especially yeah. in this day and age when we kind of are much more aware of mental health these days and, you know, good and bad. And he I, said in the Avengers that he tried to kill himself. Yeah, I put I put a bullet in my head and the other guy spits it out. That to me is yeah. one of the most fantastic lines that uh, I almost called it's Mark Ruffalo, not Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, Mark <laughs> Ruffalo delivers. I love yeah. that. Yeah. They they do go into that a little bit in the first uh, that pilot episode of She Hulk. Yeah. So it's it's funny because there's there's some backlash about that too and how um, they, they said that uh, people were saying that this was like male bashing or something like after her response and I'm like it just sounds like a relevant you know response from someone who has a different perspective than you know just like a regular cisgendered male that's watching it. You know why is that not acceptable? But what did what did she say that people were? She said that uh, she's way better at controlling her anger because she has to all the time because she's always either catcalling oh, the street or something. Yeah, I you know, saw when, that. When she's going into it, and, and it's like I'm like, huh? I, here I am sitting over that here. That was such it. a feminist rant, though. Well, like the I, stuff that she also, said, it's like a different mansplaining, and you know, people I, I catcalling me. And, I have so much rage. It's like, oh, give me a break. I, it, was, it wasn't as it wasn't as like simplified as that because he is he's dumbing everything down to her because he's taking his personal experience and and putting it into her. And it's like that's not the case. Yeah, and, I, and he just was not getting it. You know. Oh, oh well, I the fact that. that she controls herself so easily and so quickly in the episode. I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen the whole. I haven't watched it, but I've seen lots of videos about it. And I've watched. There's like a hundred clips out, so I've practically seen the whole the whole episode. But she, I got the sense great. that she yeah. just starts controlling it right away. Like she's fine right away. To, that, to, that's very to, true. Yeah. <laughs> to that degree, there's also the point of it's very reason the part of what like I keep saying with mental health is also just anger issues in general is a yeah. big part of the Hulk. So when you have that, when you have somebody like Bruce Banner who you know, who has been 
struggling with with his anger issues and then gets hulkified in a very intense way okay yeah he's kind of screwed to some extent whereas i haven't seen she hulk quite yet but it sounds like she got less hulkified and then also at the same time has more uh history with controlling uh her outburst so it's a little different of a situation she has more history with control all the shit that banner himself has gone through Hold She's on. had a harder life than him, really? Oh, but, hold on, hold on. I know that most of the audience has not read the comics, and I, I hope that they'll bring this into play at some point. In the comics, the way they depict it is that, yes, uh, Bruce Banner's angry, and when he gets irradiated by the gamma radiation, that triggers a mutation in him, so when he gets angry, he gets fucking super angry, super strong, super green, and, you know, smashes everything. But they established over the... 40 years that the character's been around that the gamma radiation affected other characters differently Mm -hmm. so jennifer walters when she got it in the comics i think at first she was kind of savage but because that was the comic savage she hulk but then it it made her glamorous it takes like your best uh help me here justin it takes like your best features not features but the best things about you not the best things but Mm -hmm. it it Mm -hmm. magnifies things about your personality did, did oh, you guys read the Immortal Hulk at all? No, Any, I oh, have the, I have a, a vague one. vague uh, connection with that one because like if, the Rick Jones that, Hulk yeah, is there's, different. There's more with that with like the Absorbing Man and uh, yeah. uh, the Sasquatch from uh, Alpha Flight. I mean Alpha Flight, yeah, like Carl Lankowski and all that. Like when they get into this, it's like they're going exactly where where you're speculating on on how it enhances those specific. Things. Yeah, I I'm I'm all for that, and I'm all for you know, and I I don't love when the the fans over focus on the you know semi feministy political stuff because people did that with the Batman too. There's this one moment where Catwoman mentions once that you know she's like we're gonna take down these rich white assholes, which <laughs> at, at the end of the day is exactly yeah. what these people are. So she mm-hmm. wasn't being outrageous with that statement and then they never address it again so right. to me it didn't seem like the filmmakers wanted to focus on that it was just a line that got in there yeah and- I, yes. I will fully cop to uh when endgame comes up and then they have the whole view of all the female characters after like peter parker just gets out of the way i i literally said in the theater really yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. because i'm like i'm like come on guys <laughs> i'm it- like it's so much better in Infinity War when you actually have a logistical reason of why these characters are there, and yeah. then there's this the Dora Milaje, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then they're they're fighting with um uh with Nat, which is awesome. And then they see Scarlet Witch have some superpowers, and um uh what's her face Okoye is like, why was she up there all this time? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm all for it. I'm all for the. You, you can have these like uplifting moments for female characters who, yes, at the end of the day. They are a minority group in the in the soldier type fighting combat type se- um, setting. You can have those moments. You just it's really lame when you take every single female character on the battlefield and put them together. <laughs> yeah, I know, just it, hitting it us was... over the head with a message, you know. Yeah. yeah, did, yeah. You guys see, um, did you guys watch Shang Chi? Yeah. Oh. So everybody's seen that. That was so. How good. how come they can't capture? The, the sort of feeling that you got after you left that theater when you saw Shang-Chi, if you guys are anything like me, and you're like, holy crap, that was awesome. Yeah. You know, because I felt that way. And I was just like, this is a good movie with good characters that I care about. And I want to see what happens to them next. Right. And yeah. I don't feel that from like some of these other ones. 
Yeah, I, I found Captain Marvel to be one of the worst characters they've ever written. Oh, uh, don't even get me started. I, I didn't <laughs> like I didn't like the actress choice in in I told people the, the difference between her and Wonder Woman <laughs> is Wonder Woman uses her powers to help people and uh Captain Marvel uses her powers to blow up jukeboxes. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman's a much better like female empowerment character in general. Just, I, I think just they just picked the wrong actress and the wrong writers because the Carol Danvers that I love is a super spy badass character that Wolverine respects, you know, and mm. doesn't even need to have powers to be the biggest badass on the team. And that's yeah. Carol Danvers, you know, she's right. not some snarky, wisecracking, top gun, you know, caricature. Uh, and, and I'm just like, I don't like this. <laughs> well, yeah. on that same note, I have to say I watched I, I wasn't going to watch it. Um, Ms. Marvel, because I figured, well, oh, I'm not, I'm not the tar- target demographic. I'm not going to get it. You know, it's aimed at teenage girls. But I watched it and I freaking loved it, especially I by the it. end. And it it was more than just being about a girl. It was more than being about female empowerment. It was that was a small aspect to it, which they don't. I don't even think they really harped on that at all. It just she got powers, and it was her story, and. Um, they were able to explore Indian mythology, like India Indians. And yeah, yeah, talking about that, uh, was it the Great Separation? Or Yeah, when Pakistan, oh, they had that yeah. civil war. Oh, and, wow, they addressed that. That's oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It's a huge yeah. part of the story That's and how awesome. it affected people's lives. And it was great because it was stuff I never knew about that happened in history. And I thought, much like the way Moon Knight kind of delved into Egyptian mythology, this delved into Indian mythology, and I thought, great, it was a fresh source, a fresh font of cool stuff that you can draw yeah. from and make cool stories, and I really, really liked it. I Yeah, I'm, I that sounds really good. Ms. Marvel uh, got a little bit more popular because of the Avengers video game. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> she was one of the main characters that you could play as, um, and I don't have a clear grasp on her powers in the in the game. She's had basically Mr. Fantastic powers, um, so there's that. But she was a cool character, and she was really, really fun. We got to see Hulk with a beard. That was also really fun. Um, <laughs> Let's say uh, low-grade Green Lantern is is her power Ooh. set in this one. So it's yeah. like she makes a lot of platforms to jump onto. And where, in, instead of her stretching, like uh, she'll elongate her arms with like the constructs. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That's so good. I love it that. Is, it was handled really well. Yeah. They, they did a good job, and... For a lot of people not really being so familiar with the character, they made her endearing. They made you care about her family. You know, the the humor was there, but the humor was was all natural. Nothing was forced. Right. There was no force where they're like, we're going to make you care about a Muslim character. It's like, no, you just care about them because they're good people. Right. You know, it's yeah, that's just how it was. And, and it, it was a really well done show. Yeah, there was a, um, an episode of one of the um Oh my god, I cannot remember her name for the life of me. The Doctor Who, the um, the Thirteenth Doctor, yeah, Jodie Whittaker, yeah. yeah. One of her episodes had to do with that—that that whole uh, separation of Pakistan and India, and how many people died in that yeah. in that situation. And they have a whole little story about it in one of the episodes, and I I loved the episode. I thought that was great. Uh, so I have am enjoying you know these places being explored a bit more. Especially like the Egyptian mythology, because there's nobody capitalizing on that in the comics industry that I know of. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, with Moon Knight, I I couldn't really remember the comic all that well. I know I read a lot of them, 
when I was a kid, but um, I forgot about the whole split personality thing. And, you know, it was it, I just thought it was a great fresh take on this character that's been around for a while. And I'm hoping to see him more in the MCU. Mm, I really do hope they keep Oscar Isaac. Uh, I, I have seen some things with Moon Knight and he seems to me a character who has like really, really good comedic moments that aren't as asshole Deadpool type as like genuinely he's just clever. So there's that. Right. I like I like his character uh, from some of the stuff I have seen. And I thought Moon Knight as a show was just done spectacular. Mike, did you watch that? No, I haven't seen. And the only the only um, Marvel show that I watched was WandaVision. Oh, I, I oh have wow. Not, so you didn't even watch Loki? I haven't seen Loki. I haven't oh, seen. Wow. I, I, I just didn't finish didn't, Loki. I didn't get I just don't I don't know why it just didn't grab me. Like, even though I have a, I, I had a certain amount of loyalty to Marvel in general, just like, well, whatever movie they come out with, I'll go see it. You know, um, I don't know. Once they shifted to the TV series, I was kind of like. Eh, okay, I, I don't know if I really want to, you know, I tried to watch Hawkeye. I couldn't get past the second episode. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed that. I liked Hawkeye. I, I, I just, I've lost total faith in the MCU. In fact, I canceled my Disney Plus account two days ago. Oh, no. Um, I just, what they're what Disney's doing to Star Wars and to Marvel, in my opinion, is just, it's a slow flush down the toilet. Yeah. Oh, so I agree. you canceled it after watching Obi-Wan. No, I didn't even watch Obi-Wan. Oh, I just... Oh. Um, I, I've seen, you know, bits and pieces of it. Um, you know, I just couldn't, I just had no optimism that it was going to be any good. So I just didn't bother like Boba Fett. What the fuck was like, oh, yeah, I God, liked, it was so good. I liked Mandalorian. <laughs> was it? Yeah. But it wasn't Boba Fett. I'm glad somebody liked well, Boba well, Fett. It was. <laughs> I mean, Mandalorian came first and then the next show was, a, was actually about Boba Fett and, it, those these shows, well, not the Obi Wan one, but Mandalorian and, and Boba Fett take place immediately after the events of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it just I, didn't, he doesn't seem like the same character. I don't know. He's not. Just, he doesn't. Ha he has five lines in the trilogy. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> second of all, uh, I agree that Disney is really ruining things uh, overall. And here's my little conspiracy theory that I have kind of made up on my own is they have these high tier, you know, high profile writers that they bring in that try to appeal to every audience and end up screwing the stories over in the process. And this has happened a couple of times now with all the major movies like Star Wars as a franchise, the main nine movies are not that well written. Go through them. They're very, very basic, very, very minimal character development, any one of them. But we like them because of the mythology and the world building. And so it's the same thing with the with Marvel. But what you're they do is all nine of the Star Wars movies have bad character development. I, I haven't seen the, the, from, the from the get go, the prequels. I, I know from I, 1977. I've seen well, the first year and you haven't seen the prequels. No, it shocks no. me. I, know, I, yeah. I refused to show them wow. to him when he was little because they saw Okay. But my point is of the conspiracy theory is where they, they have these little um, side stuff. They have Boba Fett. They have Obi-Wan. They have Moon Knight. They have uh, not really WandaVision, but they have um, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then they they have oh, these, I watched that. Yeah, they have good. these other writers, these non-high profile writers who are actually catering to the story and actually care about the characters in a more than appealing to the audience sort of way. So we get these fantastic side pieces of media like Moon Knight, like Obi-Wan, that the fans just adore. 
but they're not the main attraction of these franchises. So then we get to the main attraction of the franchises and they're starting to lose popularity because now the writers are all, you know, caring about who's watching the film instead of just making good characters like they were doing in the in the beginning of the MCU. Well, I'll yeah, tell like, you, like, like the Black comes... Widow movie. That's that's a good example of what you're talking about, because like what? the Black Widow movie. I didn't um, mind it. I, thought I it liked it. Good. I thought that was good. But it wasn't as good was as, as some of the, the side stuff, like like uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. I think that's way more better written and better done than the Black I, Widow Yeah, movie. I would agree with you there, but uh, I okay. I didn't mind it. It, I mean, like, like taste aside and all that. I just think it's it was done better than that movie. I think they're 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 creating content that's content. It's entertaining, and it yeah. has. It's like if you get titillated by seeing just seeing characters you like do stuff, which I do in a lot of cases with a lot of movies and a lot of franchises. I just like I don't care what they do as long as I can watch them. <laughs> um, yeah. That's totally fair. I, I just yeah. I, yeah, I, I feel like that. they're they're still grinding it out to feed the beast, you know, to feed the the masses and you know to keep the keep the MCU moving, the Empire moving. But it's just got three Hobbit movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that that didn't make any sense at all. They could have let me explain my point of view on this on this whole yeah. thing in, in terms of star wars so of course the original trilogy grew up with that you know seven years old 1977 watched them all then the prequels came out i was so excited and they sucked so hard it made me not like star wars for the longest time yeah then um the i think the i can't remember I guess the um, the sequel trilogy, the last three movies came out. They were all right. They kind of had the feel, you know. Obviously, J.J. Abrams, you know, liked it. I didn't. I don't remember any of them because <laughs> they weren't that yeah, good. Yeah, I've heard how bad they are. They're not good. So I, when I watched The Mandalorian, now John Favreau, who you know him as Happy Hogan, and mm -hmm. he's been in tons of shit. He's directed a ton of shit. He created, executive produced The Mandalorian, wrote most of the episodes, and that made me like Star Wars again because that gave me the me. same feeling yes. that I got in the theater when I saw the original Star Wars and Empire. Yeah. Yep. He did such a fucking good job with that, and he kind of mm -hmm. carried that over into the Boba Fett show, the Book of Boba Fett, which mm -hmm. it's different. It's a different take. It's a different character, obviously, than The Mandalorian, but Mandalorian does show up in it towards the end yeah. and at one yeah. point you're like well why the f is this the boba fett show or the mandalorian show because there's a lot of mandalorian in it but they wrapped yeah. up some, they wrapped up some loose ends from his first season so i think you know in terms of your point spencer where um they're just churning out shit just to give it to, to the masses it's not in every case like uh, case in point is the mandalorian he Favreau loves Star Wars the way that we love Star Wars, the aspects of Star Wars that we love, and he was able to make it entertaining to people who don't know anything about Star Wars. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's my my thought also is they need to stop hiring high-profile people who really don't know the stories or aren't fans of the stories. You know, John Favreau caring about Star Wars is a part of the reason they he makes such a good show, not right. to mention just he's he's good at it in general that's why i think moon knight is really good and stuff like that because you have people in it who gave a shit about what they were writing versus just trying to create something that would make money right yeah i mean that's why for me the netflix series worked daredevil was amazing the punisher no, no was my fucking God, awesome so good. but how faithful were they to the comics though you, you know and it's like they had working with like frank miller or dipping into the mark wade stuff well mostly frank miller for that but yeah you know, like yeah, anything. and it's it's gonna be that's a different my dream medium. right there. Translating <laughs> comics to the screen, 
a long time ago, I kind of said, you know what? I think it was like around when the first X-Men came out. I have to, uh, we as audience members sort of have to let go of that. You can have the knowledge of what happened in the comics, but if it doesn't play out that way, uh, it's okay. They can, mm-hmm. they're at full artistic creativity to take it in directions that the comic didn't go in. And also think about this. Superhero costumes don't translate well. To the no, to the screen, I, uh, they're very very <laughs> lame, very very boring. They could be I read stupid. Maximum Carnage recently. Maximum Carnage, I love Carnage, and I am so disappointed in Venom Two. Yet I'm also ecstatic by it. Uh, and that has that's really really <laughs> gritty. Crack me up. I <laughs> I will like go a into, laugh riot. I will go into that movie a little bit with the with the mindset of Carnage is terrifying, and they made him yeah. as scary as they could be with the PG thirteen rating. This, this is my favorite rant. I love Carnage. Love, love Carnage. I I, um, I saw that movie too. Um, I was just constantly cracking up because of the humor. It was really good. And I think Tom Hardy's <laughs> a great, a great lead for it. I like yeah. 90s Venom. I like that Venom's a real fucking dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> it, it works. You know, he the, doesn't the, come the, in and know The relationship they have back and forth is hilarious. And I mean, I, I was laughing the whole time. And I've read, I've read all those books. I, I still have Lethal Protector. You know, I've, I've got Maximum Carnage, you know, like all that stuff. Oh, you know, I'm not a so Spider-Man good. fan, but I'm a Venom fan. Yeah. So I, yeah. I dug it. I, I, and, and I don't need a Spider-Man movie to be anything other than just like mindless entertainment because I, I'm like, well, you're not going to make me cry like at the end of like Spider-Man 2 or anything. But like it, it is what it it is I disagree on the point of Spider-Man movies can be mindless entertainment because they did that. The first two Tom Holland movies are really only enjoyable when the villain's on the screen. So, you know, well, that's just for me because he's not he's not a compelling character that I follow. Like, uh, like, mm, OK, sim- he is similarly for a lot of with with um, like Star Wars. I'm a Star Trek fan. So anything that happens in the Star Wars universe. OK, sure. I, I can honestly tell you, it's like I think that so much of of like the first movie's bad the last half of that's or not first but like the first prequel so much of the first prequel is awful but then like there's really good music in it you know like there's some pretty cool fights that you probably already seen on youtube you know ray parks in it that's kind of cool you know um the second half of the second uh prequel is okay the third movie's all right you know it's but i'm a star trek fan so it's like what's the worst one that we have the fifth one (laughs) <laughs> you know fair, it's like fair point fair point yeah so I, it's like i i'm like i'm like this is great add it on you know yeah yeah i will when it comes to the spider-man movies specifically like obviously the toby Maguire movies are sam raimi so i think they're all fantastic um but the tom holland movies really didn't get me until no way home and not just because of nostalgia and seeing that i'm talking about tom holland's performance and zendaya's performance was really good it was particularly good even when when you know the whole aunt may sequence happens that yeah. was like i i was in i had a bit of a tear in my eye i'm like this is really really rough and it was a bit of a reality check for this character it's like spider-man like, steel magnolias <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit a little bit so to me that was a really really good moment and it was well done and it was well scripted and that's a that's a movie where you disney did things right and then they well have- yes but that's partly because they were working with sony uh, whoever they got to write that movie and direct that movie they that collaboration or whatever i feel like that that's the only recent spider-man movie that i like I would give the Andrew Garfield ones a try because I watched both well, of them and I really I mean, enjoyed them. When I say recent, I'm sorry. I, I mean Tom Holland. 
I liked Tom oh, Holland's yeah. Spider-Man in Civil War. And then yeah. after that, kind of meh, until No Way Home. Huh. Yep. No Way Home was fucking awesome. Yep. I was, because I was, you know I was, why they that, finally yeah. forced him to grow up? They forced, <laughs> That's him, true. Yeah. they forced him to go through some shit and see how hard everything is and get the, his ass handed to him and realize that there's consequences and just shred his world. And that's, you know, Peter Parker has to suffer to become who he is behind the mask. And finally they did that with Tom Holland and thank God they, they, they made him grow up, you know, and they stopped trying to make his movies into Ferris Bueller's. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I just said this to Justin is uh, the first two Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland are only really the most entertaining when the villain is on the screen. <laughs> In my opinion, yeah. uh, I I love the Vulture. I thought Michael Keaton's Vulture was fantastic. I thought um, He's scary. The, yeah, he was Mysterio scary. was Mysterio was done very very well. I thought that was super cool. And I thought Spider-Man: Far From Home did have a little bit of character development, a little bit near the end. And I thought that was good. But the rest of the movie was kind of whatever. Uh, no Way Home really brought out Holland's best performance, in my opinion. And you know, he, Mike, you brought up a, a good point that I hadn't actually thought of before. I hadn't considered it, but I was just thinking back on some of the Spider-Man comics in the '70s, and you know, he doesn't know where his next rent payment is going to come from, and yeah. he's struggling through that whole thing. And they kind of did that with with um, Tobey Maguire in the first and second one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's an aspect of the character that they really hadn't haven't capitalized on, which made him so interesting in the comics was yeah. that he like you said, he has to suffer to to maintain being Spider-Man. Yeah. He's supposed to be an everyman, you know, and yeah, and right. he's not if he's, you know, Stark funded. Right. Exactly. I, I suppose. I suppose. I, I also thought that there was some good lessons. It's just for me, the performance was a little lackluster. I'm going back to Maximum Carnage. There's a whole point where part of the story is Peter Parker, like having to grapple with the fact that he may actually have to kill one of these yeah. villains. And I was really enjoying that because he's like going back and forth. Like maybe this is the best course of action, but no, I'm better than that. We're going to be better than that. And I loved watching the go back and forth. He had, uh, you know, Morbius and Venom and uh, Deathlock all saying, no, we just have to put him down like a dog. And then you had Captain America on the other side saying, no, we're better than that. We're going to save New York. We're going to put these, put these people in jail where they belong. And it, that that's the stuff that really I enjoyed and that we kind of got to see at the end of No Way Home, especially his final fight with Willem Dafoe's Goblin. Yeah. Oh, I was losing it. Eyes glued to the screen. I I sometimes just rewatch that fight alone for a variety <laughs> of reasons. Um, and that to me was also a fantastic yeah. moment for the character in general. We're going to get to see a completely different Spider-Man going forward. The thing I love about the ending of that movie is, and that scene is when um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is basically about to kill the Goblin. And um, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man intervenes and just grabs the the glider to stop him, but he doesn't say he doesn't need to say anything. He just grabs it and looks at him. Yeah. Until until the other Peter kind of it dawns on him like, oh, okay, you know, this is not who Spider-Man is. And he, he, they don't need to talk about it. It just right. He just knows, and then they you know he calms down. I'm like that was so good. I, yeah, I love that. A little little thing about that fight that I noticed and I've heard some people talk about is. 
we forget that the goblin is superhuman because oh, yeah. Spider-Man in the comics has been known to just like bitch slap people and like and kill them instantly. The superior Spider-Man had to figure that out. So when he's punching with obviously he's just killed Aunt May, no holds barred, nothing is off the table when he's throwing throwing, you know, right hooks yeah. on Willem Dafoe and Willem Dafoe is not taking any kind of damage visibly from it. Mm. That's a great moment of how tough he really was. Yeah, the goblin formula makes him superhuman. I love that. And it was just nice seeing Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina come back and reprise their yes. roles and they they yes. didn't look all that old. It was so good. Yeah. That scene really on the bridge, him, yeah. the first scene on the bridge where um, Doc Ock shows up. I mean, when they're on that, like he Peter goes to the car to talk to the woman, and then Doc Ock comes comes up, and it's like the car is being thrown everywhere, and the you know he's in the spider suit with the legs coming out the back, and you see this helicopter shot of the two of them going at each other, and they both have arms coming out of their backs, and like I was just I was. I was, yeah, I, it was, I was. It was a I good was, geek moment, right? Oh, man, oh, I was yeah. geeking out so hard, geeking out, wow. Yeah, yeah. Also for me, a, a big point is we, between movies, obviously never get to see Doc Ock and Willem Dafoe interact. So watching them interact yeah. is just awesome in and of itself. I love when these side characters and these villains actually have to talk to each, talk to each other a little bit. Right. Yeah, because they're, they're mostly narcissists that, you know, yeah. they want to be the star, the center of attention. They feel right. that, you know, they're the ones who are owed everything. Everyone mm -hmm. tries to be Dr. Doom or recreate Dr. Doom. There's only one Dr. Doom. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Right. You have like these guys that are like, oh, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I'm the only genius. And it's like, oh, no wonder they never work together. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get that Sinister Six movie. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you get to when you see uh, Willem Dafoe's face, when the, finally the Spider Sense, we finally got that in No Way Home. Yes. It was finally done right, and it was fantastically terrifying. And then, then you just hear Norman's on sabbatical, honey, and I'm just like, oh, like <laughs> shivering in my own skin when he says that. <laughs> Yeah, and you know that reminds me. I mean, I've always been a fan of crossovers of any kind. That's kind of partially why I like a lot of the TV shows that they've done. But I'm gonna say, mm. uh, I've said this to you before, Spence. I'm gonna say this so Mike can hear it, because I know Justin knows it. But I'm gonna say two words about She-Hulk: Blonsky and Daredevil. And that's all. I'm yeah, gonna say. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I might actually just sit down and watch the first episode tonight. <laughs> what's what? I'm sorry. What what's Blonsky? Uh, uh, the Abomination. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. You saw Shang-Chi, right? Everyone here saw Shang-Chi, yeah, yeah. we established. I uh, was out of my chair when, <laughs> when and it was, I was upset because it was two seconds. I was hoping Shang-Chi would fight him when I saw the clip from the trailer, but I was out of my chair when Wong and Emil were going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I'm like, yes, yes, he looks like the comics too. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Wong is so great. I, I, I loved him in uh, What We Do in the Shadows as the Necromancer. Have you ever seen that show? Oh yeah, oh, I forgot about it. I've, I've never seen <laughs> Every the show. Every time I've he shows up, it's it's worth it. And the last episode of the first season, if you're a fan of uh, '90s Marvel movies, you should watch it. Okay, yeah. all I'm gonna say. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean, like the Fantastic Four or Captain America? No, I mean the one that started it all. So <laughs> I yeah I. And once again, also with Shang, with the Shang Chi moment is specifically, I love that 
we get these little tidbits like in Avengers it's like do you want to be the one to guard Blonsky's cell you know what I mean it's these little moments of like we get to acknowledge that these previous movies happened and they had consequences and these characters aren't gone I'm still to this day praying that the leader will show up in She-Hulk and be the same actor from The Incredible Hulk yeah it was fantastic it was done so incredibly well and you it's a blink and you'll miss it moment but at the, all the comic fans are out of their fucking chair right well he's i mean he showed up in the Watchmen series uh what, what's his name nelson gray nelson or something i forget he, so yeah. i mean he's he's still active doing stuff so there's no reason he couldn't right right yeah 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 i mean I we're not something... gonna get nick nolte but thank <laughs> <God. laughs> something i think it was something spencer said earlier that i think is 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 very true to some extent is i'm so glad i don't have these people's jobs of like trying to make content that lines up to some degree with the diehard comics readers and also presents the stuff to people who are not really superhero you know they don't they they maybe they like watching movies but they're not really into the comics characters or the history or whatever and and the different generations and just trying to cover all that ground and trying to make everybody happy it's got to be almost impossible yeah yeah and uh, my opinion is what they should be doing is focusing on making a good adaptation of the stories and yes make something new but make a just build a good comic book-esque story and after that it will follow because the fans have proven time and time again we like a good movie more than a good Marvel movie. Yeah. Right. And it's funny, like I consider my wife the average moviegoer because she doesn't retain stuff the way that you you guys and I do. And Mm -hmm. she loved Shang-Chi and she couldn't get through Eternals. She just got up and walked out of the room. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I'm going to bed. I totally understand that because it's I mean, here's a whole bunch of characters again, like going back to my Shang-Chi conversation. There's nothing endearing about Circe or Icarus or um, or Sprite, or the, the other two characters, three, four, five characters. The only one I liked was Gilgamesh. And I'm like, the rest of them are terrible. The main well, character is terrible. I, you know? What I took away from that was that these guys are so long-lived, we can't really relate to them. That's why they all seem like they're aloof and above everything, because they're just, they've been living here for thousands of years, you know? Yet they're still having junior high relationship issues. That's true. Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of how gods are in pretty much every mythology story. I haven't right, seen Eternals, <laughs> yeah, but like they, there's a whole point. point in Greek mythology that they fight like siblings because they are all siblings. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 liked, I think it's a point. I like parts of that movie again, but probably f- way fewer parts. And, and I think that like, that is the the weakest that they've done, and and seems like they really sunk a lot into the effects of that yeah. film. But I mean, just like in terms of like story and everything else, I'm just like, ah, it's just really not there. Right. So I have not watched trailers. Well, yeah, me neither. Of anything, so I haven't seen. I don't know, but I was thinking you got me thinking because um, every For time or every time we, uh, you think about Eternals and like gods and stuff, I think about the Shazam movie that came out, which was fantastic yeah and stuff like that and the black adam movie makes me a little nervous because i as much as i love dwayne the rock johnson i don't know if he's the right person for the job for black adam Um, i think he'll pull at least he's got the look he looks like he's got to sound the part for me if you don't sound the part like that that disappointed me about the mortal Kombat movie was that raiden was a little (laughs) little too comical and not nearly as godlike as he has been in the uh 
in the games. So I think that if you don't sound the part, you're really going to struggle, even if you look the part. Yeah. Are you talking about the 1996 Mortal Kombat? Or are you no, talking about the, the new, new one. Mortal Kombat? The, the new one. Raiden is so, he's a lot more like, you know, funny and like, you know, he makes, he's got a, some, some more quips versus just having this imposing presence of, that's I like a whole other Earth. podcast to unpack of what you liked about that movie, because I am so curious right now. <laughs> what you liked and didn't like. I love the movie. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But... It has, it has some parts to it again. You know, it's like, I don't just know if I could like go back to like, like Cole and all that. And like, I'm like, man, there's so much to unpack there, but um, it has some really awesome action sequences and, and going back to like the Eternals, there's some really good action sequences. Yeah. But the characters are dumb. You know, they're just not like, like it's like, oh, you've got Angelina Jolie back and doing this. It's like, cool. She's great to watch. I love it. But then what? Like after she swings that sword and cuts the monster in half, then what? There's nothing. You know, it's like, okay, cool. What does this guy do? Oh, you run fast? Well, I've seen that with the Flash and they did it back. So, <laughs> what? And, yeah. and like, oh, this guy shoots from his eyes. I'm like, yeah, but so does Cyclops. And I'm like, Cyclops bounced something off a car in the last Dark Phoenix movie. That was cool. This was not. You know, it's like, <laughs> show me something different and new in a new way. And I really feel like they missed out on that because they just kind of regurgitated these characters that were like Kirby adjacent. And it's like, well, if you guys are going for like a fourth world vibe, there's no dark side. You know, there's there's no big heavy. And they're like, oh, the Eternals. Nobody cares. You know, it's yeah. like, you yeah. know, it's that's like when you tried to sacrifice the, the X-Men for the uh, for the Inhumans. Nobody wanted that. You know, like, oh, this guy's Trident. He's a fish man that lives on. No, don't care. Give me Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I the the thing with the humans is the they did Black Bolt, which was pretty good. I did I always love Black Bolt. He's and, one of my favorite Inhuman characters. And that was Anson Mount playing him in that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought he was done well in Doctor Strange. I thought he was done very very well. And I'm I was slightly disappointed with how Doctor Strange turned out, but at the same time, it's also that much scarier. It makes sense. Like, and again, it's like I said, if you want to prove somebody is is powerful, you have them beat on Black Bolt. You know, yeah, and I mean, to another to another uh, lesser uh, sense, you have them beat on Namor, you know, uh, and now we'll Namor is so that. fucking powerful. My God, yeah. I want to see him in the MCU, but I also want to see him done right. Yeah, with uh, the green that... speedo and the wings on his ankles. No, OK, like I said, done right. <laughs> um, but uh, he's cool such man. a you know, pompous asshole and he's so powerful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's great. Right? You know what would be really <laughs> cool if they went and did an Invaders so movie and had it take place in the 1940s and it was Captain America, the Submariner, and the original Human Torch. That would be fucking awesome. In Toro. In Toro. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That would, yeah. Be cool. that would be cool, man. I I would love that. These comic book movies are really only as good as their their villains, in my opinion. Which always, is, yeah. Which is some of the which is where some of these movies fall flat and are also really good. It's the same thing with DC as well. I mean, reason we love the Dark Knight is because fifty percent of the movie is a Bruce Wayne we none of us really give a shit about, but a villain that we're all hyper invested in. Right, right. right. And you're talking about the the guy with the sky hook, right? That uh, he has to extradite. <laughs> yeah, everybody forgets that guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, that guy. That yeah, guy? that guy. You know, the guy in the TV. 
Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I've seen squealers before. <laughs> <laughs> we were also we were also interested in in that movie in um, Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent's character yes. was yeah. more interesting than Bruce Wayne. Bruce oh. Wayne's like, I don't know if she loves me anymore. Like, shut up, Bruce. You know, Your <laughs> Honor, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Christian Bale's Batman was so wasted because he would he's a fine actor. He just got yeah. you know locked in with a script that gave him a really bland and boring character. Just remember how much we loved it at the time, though. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at the time, that was the grittiest thing we had. I remember yeah. seeing The Dark Knight Rises in the theater. Yeah. When I go back and watch the the Nolan movies, not so much the first one, Batman Begins, which I loved, but I really like in the subsequent movies, if I watch like a clip or a scene from it, the voice itself is not what bothers me, but he sounds like his face is being squeezed by the mask. Yeah. Like he's yeah, holding his nose or something. So that's what that's like, like. Are you that, okay? Yeah, really like, take the mask off, dude. You, you're hurting yourself. There's something some good I like actors in that too, like Gary Oldman and, and yeah. like oh, yeah. really kind of like, and uh, you know, your Lucius Fox with Morgan Freeman, your Michael Caine. Oh. And, and yes. it's like, there's a lot of heavy lifting around that movie too. So it's like it's held up by these pillars of these actors and all that. And it's like, I don't want to hate it and I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite thing. But on paper, it should be the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker is completely unparalleled in just his ability to command the, the scene and chew the yeah, scenery so well. Yeah. No question. That's my favorite. So I just want to say this. So 1989, Mike, you were working at the Showcase Cinema in Woburn at that time, right? Yes. Yes. Because that year... I saw so many movies five times each or three times each, and I'm not going to go into the litany of them right now. However, uh, Batman with Michael Keaton. I was there on opening day. Me too. Uh, I think, yeah, you were with me, right? I was working. Oh, you were working, right. At least the matinee time, it was working. The line was around the building. Yep. And like down half the parking lot. I think I, Sean Whalen and I were in the in the line outside, yeah. and we weren't actually too far from the building because we got because you know me, I get there super early. Right. So I saw that movie, Batman with Michael Keaton, and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I saw it four more times in the theater. I think wow. partially because you were able to get me into the movies or get passes <laughs> or whatever. Um, and it took me five times watching that movie to realize that I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's funny. yeah me too because when it first came out you were like finally a serious batman don't get me wrong i love adam west but everyone thinks batman is stupid and campy and now we've got a serious batman and then yep. you watch it over and over again you're like oh this doesn't hold up this is he can't even turn his neck for god's sakes what are they yeah, doing is that, I, is, i've is, noticed is, that that my opinions changed on some of these like i like batman forever a lot more now than i used to i like to really kilmer as batman Man in that movie exactly yeah. and, and i like him as bruce wayne like so much and i'm like it's so nuanced what he's doing and i'm like i get it i just get it yeah. and now like as an adult i i get it because as a kid i was like ah this is commercialism this is this i don't really care for it, what they're going for and then i'm like i get it he's trying to save the day he's compassionate about edward and he's saying oh mind control that's not something we're interested in that's a different take than batman returns where mm. what did he do you know, it's yeah. like where's the character? Where's the character it's growth? Useless yeah. It's yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just literally take him out of the movie, and all the events would have played out with Catwoman and Penguin probably, and, and all the other stuff. Like even the it, Penguin had too much screen time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought the Penguin was cool. Like, it, it, but again, it's it's like that rule of cool style over substance, and it's like yes. this is this is cool. Like I like this thing, but 
I'm caught up in Batmania and all that. And it's like, is it really great? Batmania. I don't know. You know? <laughs> I remember my parents were horrified at Danny DeVito's Penguin. And they were like, because they were used to Burgess Meredith on the TV show. And they were like, yeah, that, yeah. that's not the Penguin. That's disgusting. Wow. <laughs> What, yeah. Which is the one where Mr. Freeze is Arnold Schwarzenegger? Fourth that, one. Fourth one. Yeah. Batman and Robin. Because yeah. it's. Ugh. Which is the one with Michael Keaton's Joker? I get these ones confused all the time. Wait, the, what? The, like, first eight, one. The, the first one. The first yeah. Batman right. Michael Keaton was Joker. Yes. Okay. Because I Jack, remember wait, that one. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Was the Joker. That's what I yeah. said. That's what I said, guys. Come on. Um, Jack Nicholson's Joker. I keep saying Michael Keaton because he, he played the Vulture. Um, but his Joker was mm. awesome for me because in the final fight, I vividly remember this sitting on the couch and watching this. In the final fight, him and you know he's like trying to dodge Batman. Like, hey, come on. Constant, constant comedy, which I'm losing it at. In the final punch, he puts on a pair of glasses. Yeah. You wouldn't have a guy with yeah, glasses, yeah. would you? Boom, right in the face. Well, he like throws a, fi- a fake pair of like chattering teeth and stuff. Yeah, and yeah like, that yeah. to me is, is a great representation of the Joker. And, you know, those Batman movies are, are what they are. They absolutely like, you know, butchered some characters. Don't get me wrong. I love Jim Carrey, but they did not do the Riddler right. Well, well he did the Joker as the Riddler. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what you were going for. There. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know I'm. There's one I, element I in that I mean, first. Two Face was awful too. Yeah, yeah Two Face was not the right character. That was and, the same character he did in the Natural Born Killers. And what was wrong with Speaking Billy D. Here. Williams? He was Harvey Dent in the first movie. Why not have him play Two Face in the second one? Yeah, but right, they, right. They continue that in the uh, Batman '89 series, which is uh, I think it's just a six issue series that just wrapped up maybe a couple months back. But they go into all of that and even um, take it to the point where they bring in the Robin that they had intended. Uh, which would have been Marlon Wayans. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so but, they actually do that. You, you could you could check that out. I mean, that's you can get it on Comixology or, or right. pick up a probably a trade paperback or something. But that does have the Billy D. Williams Two Face in it. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's kind of cool. But there's one scene. I mean, there's many elements of the '89 Batman, and I'm not going to sit here and shit on it for 45 minutes. But there's <laughs> one scene that always pissed me off because. It confused audience members, and I, I hated it. It's where Jack Nicholson's Joker. He, you know, where the, before he's the Joker, he falls into the vat of chemical, chemicals, comes out, and his face is white with the red lips, and you know, history is made. But right. then there's a point in the film where he puts flesh tone makeup on his face, and he's sitting at a desk or something, and he's he's you know laughing, of course, and he's he's sweating, and he's got this uh, handkerchief, and he's wiping his brow. And it's wiping the flesh tone off. And I heard people in the theater going, oh, he's putting his makeup on. Thinking he was putting the white makeup on, not that he was taking the flesh tone makeup off. And I thought that was a very poor decision on Tim Burton's part to do it that way because it was confusing people who don't really know anything about the Joker. Right. They They didn't show him with the bleached skin enough prior to that for people to get it. Oh, this is how he looks now. Right. This is him covering it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something I mean, we could talk for hours and hours about Joker and he, you know, there's so many good jokers and so many bad jokers. Uh, I love scary and terrifying Joker. And I mean, I know in the comics when um, they had uh, uh, Jason Todd, when he showed up, he was like kind of a chit character and everybody really hated him. And then they killed him off. But when they brought him back for the Red Hood storyline, that was really, really dark. The whole Joker kidnapped me for a year and I, I finally escaped at the end 
was really, really dark and really yeah. sad and a good a good reflection of Joker's actions more than just having him as a character. It was this like he can actually tear apart the Bat family if he truly wanted to. He's a sick, twisted and bastard. They did that story in the show Titans. Did you I, guys uh, want to read the three Jokers book that. that came out? Oh my god! Uh, what maybe Justin? a year and a half ago? The three Jokers? No. I got to get my hands on a copy of that. No, I haven't. What is it? Okay, so um, it's a it's a story that goes into a lot of this, and basically, it there's three different people who play the Joker. So they're they're all the same, as in they all kind of uh, do the same stuff. But there's one who's like the criminal mastermind, who would be like your golden age. Then there's one who's the the clowny comedian who would be your silver age. And then there's one who's like your more brutal modern age, right? So the modern age would be the one that shot Barbara Gordon, right? you know, and then like your, um, uh, the comedian one would be the one from the seventies. And the one before that would be uh, the mastermind who was the one from like the forties and fifties and such like that. And there's so much that has to go with this. Like they're like um, trying to confuse Batman and all that. And, and Batman doesn't know anything about this until like at one point he sits on this god chair in the dark side war and he asks yes you can ask anything in existence so he asks who's the joker then it goes three people huh you know like that like something batman had no idea of you know he gains omnipotence you know for a short period of time and he asks about his greatest foe and that's what kind of led to this and it is kind of an elseworlds story but it goes so much into what uh, spence was just talking there about uh, Jason Todd and how Jason Todd has like this dark sordid history because he was murdered by the Joker. So it's, it's just, I think it's a really good story. I liked it a lot. There's a great hardcover that has all of the issues of it. I, I think it was a three issue book and it even has um, like some of the variant covers in it, but it was uh, Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok was the artist. And uh, I, I would highly, highly recommend that because I, I thought it was so good. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. So I wanted to mention, because um, I touched upon it, the Doom Patrol show and the Titans show are fucking awesome. They're rated R har, um, superhero shows, and they've yeah. done so well. And I wanted to say that the, the DC TV shows have so much outweighed the DC movies, with maybe the exception of Shazam, because that was really good. Um, and I, I kind of liked Aquaman to some degree. I, I was going to say in Aquaman. Yeah, yeah I, I get it if other people didn't like it, but, but um, I, I really did. No, the question I have is and I, I feel, Justin, you're probably the best suited to answer this because I've only saw, seen headlines about it. What happened to this Batgirl movie and what the heck is going on with the Flash film? Ah, OK. So with, with Batgirl, uh, this was meant specifically to be a movie that was going to be streaming, right? So with that in mind, you had the quality of maybe like a CW crossover movie or something along those lines, right? Right. So what DC was saying, and it's not even so much DC as uh, was it Discovery that took over Warner Brothers. They're saying that we're not going to release this because we are only releasing theatrical releases. So that's why they're going to hold on to The Flash and they're going to release the Flash movie, uh, Flashpoint. So they have no plans other than the Black Adam movie and then whatever else they had. Like, so, I mean, we've been waiting on like a Green Lantern Corps movie forever. Like it's, it's like they put in for the nice. website, they put in for like the, the copyrights, all this stuff, the scripts are out there. Like, and, and they're just waiting on casting. 
dead. Everything's dead right now. They, they canceled the next Wonder Woman, like all of that kind of stuff. There's supposed to be this huge DC expo and all that. And it's like, nope, we have new ownership. So we're going we're gonna to just go through that. With Ezra Miller, they've sunk so much money into this thing. They can't afford not to release it. Right. So but uh, he went nutty in life <laughs> or something, didn't he? Oh, of course. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like now he's he's going to go to jail or something like that. And we're going to be thinking, oh, this is the hero that we need. We're going to get this movie. And it's like they're, they're just not going to go and, and replace him. And they should. Yeah. You know, I, I think most most people would probably flip their wigs if they put Grant Gustin in there instead for the CW series. We'd be like, yes, it's what we want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I don't think they can because they have so much of the movie they'd have to reshoot. Oh, it's not like yeah. it's not like that uh, Army of the Dead movie where they can cut out the helicopter pilot right. you know, and, put Tig, and put Tig Notaro in there. And it's like, you know, that that was all right. But, you know, I don't think that they can afford to do that with this huge movie. That was amazing, by the way, that they did that. Spence, you and I talked about that last year. Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty. I thought that deal. was hysterical, though. Her character was fantastic. She's like smoking as she's putting gasoline in the helicopter. <laughs> got a big ass cigar in her mouth as she like talking through it as she's just pouring gasoline into this fucking helicopter. Yeah, she's great on Discovery too. I, I I like whenever she talks about these things because she does not care for like um, uh, pop culture at all. Not worth a damn. Like she'd be on the show and she'd be like, "Why are you guys talking about this?" she she doesn't care she's like i don't know i just i you know i get up i do my my thing and then i go home and i don't think about it ever again i'm like wow that's funny i'm like she's just so cool (laughs) mike did you see army of the dead army of the dead netflix movie it was a Zack snyder film that went straight to netflix and it starred dave baptista and it was basically the zombie apocalypse, except it starts in Los Angeles. I'm sorry, Las Vegas. And they managed to wall off the city and contain it. But if you think about it, there's shit tons of money in there because of the casinos. So um, he, Bautista is tasked with this um, group to go in and grab a certain amount of cash and stuff. And the, the plot's a little more complicated than that. Um, but there was an actor in it that I don't know what he did. He insulted somebody or said bad things about women or something. And so rather than reshoot, they literally digitally removed him from the film and replaced him with this actress, Tig Navarro. And you couldn't even tell. Like Spence and I watched it, and I had already known this, but then we did a show about it last year. So I didn't tell him anything until we sat down with um, PJ Rahal and started talking about it. And then it came out, and Spence, you were blown away, right? Uh, yeah, oh my god, my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, wait, 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 She's ne- she wasn't in any of those scenes, w- like literally filming it with them? That blew me away that she was wow. digitally in there. I think they've never even met. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think she said that, yeah. Wow. It's pretty crazy. Was she <laughs> in a lot I mean, of can scenes? They do that? She was in a good amount of them. Yeah. You had a good amount of screen time. We're gonna get like a a, a clue from from Tron Legacy. I don't know if you guys saw that one. 
But uh, are we going to get that with like the Jeff Bridges CGI or something like that? Young Jeff someone Bridges. Someone else's face on, on um, Ezra Miller's body. Well, that's, well, <laughs> that's why we measure uh, Jeff Bridges in young Jeff Bridges and old, old Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges is, is because of Tron Legacy. <laughs> like when I watch RIPD with Ryan Reynolds and old Jeff Bridges, it's not, it's old Jeff Bridges. Right. But then we watch The Fisher I, King and it's young Jeff Bridges. It's young Jeff Bridges. I, yeah. I, uh, you, you, could do, you could do a podcast on that old Jeff, new Jeff. You know? <laughs> there like, you go. Like today we're doing the seventh son and king kong <laughs> <laughs> which reminds me um this has nothing Flipping to do with anything this movie but i was uh <laughs> jaws as you guys may know is being re-released in the theater for the first week of september which i'm dying to go oh, nice. only because i've seen it a hundred times more i've seen it probably 500 times but my grandson is five and i was five when that first came out and i'm we're taking him to see it in the theater because he's wow. never seen jaws anyways uh, the article that was talking about it that I happened to be reading, there's another Roy Scheider movie that for whatever reason, some of the film after they shot it got damaged, like a, a ton of footage. And so they never finished this film. They never released it. I don't know the name off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. But apparently they're using computers to digitally fix everything, including digitally um, re-put Roy Scheider in the movie. Maybe we could fix Lost Horizon while we're at it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that, in all honesty. As long as you credit the actor, you know, for being able to use their image and it goes to either their estate or their family. Right. What an opportunity. I mean, look at Peter Cushing in Rogue One. How awesome was that when he showed up on the screen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was good. I mean, yeah. It was uh, Moff Tarkin. I really yeah. thought, yeah. yeah. I really thought, you know, going back to The Mandalorian, um, when, well, I'm assuming spoilers <laughs> for anybody who hasn't seen The Mandalorian. It's two years old. It's Star Wars. It's two years old. I know, but, you know, you never know. There's always somebody. Anyway, I'm just paranoid. Fast forward anyway, 30 uh, seconds. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, uh, when Luke appears in at the end of season one, it was pretty impressive. And then when he appeared... In season two, I thought the CG version of him was so much better. Like they, it seemed like they devoted a lot more money or time or something yeah. to him and his scenes. And I was just watching it. I was just like, oh my God. Like it, it looked really good. It was stunning. <sighs> if you've seen oh, something good. like that new version of Gemini Man with Will Smith, that I is an example that. of that is bad CGI. Like, I, I mean, at one point you see him running and like his face is moving. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's no wonder because they, they have like seven different pr production logos at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But it's like when you have like Lucas and lights are magic and all that, they're putting everything that they have in these. And, and Dave Filoni has the clout now to, to get that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why you got that really great looking Luke. And also it's having getting, Disney behind him doesn't hurt. Sure, the money. Um, yeah, it's getting better. I mean, Grandma Tarkin was pretty good. Leia was pretty good. But you could still sort of see it was a little, like, okay, I recognize them, but it's a little bit rough. And then even at the end, when Luke made his first appearance at the end of season one of Mandalorian, you could tell it was him. But it was like, for me, there was still like a three or 4% my brain going, okay, that doesn't really look like a real person. But in the <laughs> second season... I, I was just totally like I knew in my head that that wasn't him at that age, but my eyes were totally convinced. Like that's a real person, you know. That's Luke. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 
you know, and I mean, that's, we, could, we could think about what he looked at like at that age. It's like that would be what, like Children of the Damned, or, or was it Children of the Damned, the one he did where he played the, the preacher? No, Probably would have been that age. Um, we were talking about Mark Hamill, yeah, yeah, no. it was a village of the village of the damned. Oh, yeah, it was village of the damned, yeah, the remake. So that's what he should have looked like, yeah. It's weird because, um, I remember hearing that between. Uh, Star Wars and uh, Empire that he got into a motorcycle accident and smashed his nose yeah. and they had to rebuild his nose and that's why they put the the Hoth scene in there where the Wampa bashes him in the face. Yeah. yeah. But like he's, if you look at old pictures of him with his nose before it got fixed, I mean he was, that was a, that was a very straight you know, like he was a very Hollywood looking handsome, mm-hmm. you know like on the Muppet Show, maybe like yeah. when he was on. Yeah. yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, on the Muppet Show, here's a, a piece of trivia. He's dressed like Luke in his Bespin fatigues from Empire, but that came out before Empire was was released. Um, so it was sort of a sneak preview as to what his character was going to be wearing. No and nobody really realized it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, now we have the internet. Now people are are you know able to hyper fixate on things and. I see theories yeah. after theories after theories. I mean, I, I've seen, I, I follow this one channel on YouTube and I'm a big fan of them, the um, film theorists, and they got tons of ideas about what's going to happen. And my favorite part is that most of the time they are wrong and it makes me excited <laughs> because then I'm like, Ooh, this is going to happen. And then something different happens and it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah, God. That's, that's true. It's and yeah, I, um, I didn't get to premise this, by the way. Uh, uh, I'm a Star Trek fan more than a Star Wars fan. So everything is all good to me. You know, um, the, the only yeah. one I, I really didn't like was was mainly the Phantom Menace and um, Rogue One. Didn't really care for Rogue One. But, really? Um, yeah, I, I didn't like it. And I, I think Forrest Whitaker, that's his weakest performance ever. Yeah, you know? I'll give you that. <laughs> but um, yeah. but like when it comes to like these these things with like uh, Boba Fett and stuff like that, Throw it on, whatever, whatever you want to throw at me for Star Wars. I'll watch your your anime show with the rock band playing for Jabba Hut. Sure, whatever. Like throw it on. It's all good. I'll watch Battle for Endor. I don't care. Yeah, I don't have any skin yeah. in the game. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it's like like I was saying, we like as a Star Trek fan, what's our worst movie? The fifth one? Okay, good. You got me. Every other one is a winner. You know, even yeah. even uh, the the last one, Nemesis with Tom Hardy, that isn't that a good tie back, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> that, that's not as bad as yeah, the I mean, worst Star Wars some, moment. Even the remakes of Star of Star Trek are particularly good. Yeah, uh, so I I agree. I I've never been drawn to. Ironically enough, I play a lot of like D and D, but I've never been drawn to fantasy as like a topic. Funny enough, it's never been my thing. So Star Wars has never like truly like excited me in the same way that the mcu would because the mcu feels a little bit more closer to tone realism yeah whereas star wars is space fantasy which is fine and to each their own no no shame but when it comes to what i'm attracted to like that's why i haven't seen most of the star wars stuff um Mm. my my critiques stand but (laughs) i haven't (laughs) seen most of it because i just am just not drawn to it i'm not you know waiting for the next thing to come out totally valid though too i mean you know you can you can reasonably predict something that you're not going to enjoy and i mean you you could say that there's probably going to be a a slim error in there where you're wrong yeah where where it's like i i think like if if you don't enjoy quentin tarantino's first four movies and then you're like well i'm not going to see the rest and someone's like well, Kill Bill 2 is the best, man. You're probably not going to enjoy it. 
because of this, you know, the similarities from the stuff that he had in his first couple. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong in, in your reasoning there. You may miss yeah. out what one out of nine times. You know, and yeah. that's the thing too, you know, like you could every single one of his films um are different from the others. And so like you said, you know, you, you if you d- judge judge all his movies by maybe the first two, you're doing yourself a disservice because he may have one that you do like. Like we we I just did a show um, Maybe that's a bad example. Well, I just you know, I still wouldn't well, like him. My but. point is I just did a show earlier and we talked about this movie called Robo Vampire. It's horrible. It's this Chinese <laughs> movie from 1988 that completely rips off RoboCop and this other movie called Mr. Vampire, which was light years better than this movie. And my co-host on the show at the end, he says, you know what? If you're going to watch this movie, go and watch 300 other Hong Kong films that are far, far better than this first and then watch it. Because his fear was that people would watch this movie and judge all Hong Kong movies based yeah. on this movie. And the movie's a piece right. of shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying we judge anything based on something else. I'm just saying that when it comes to just topics of interest and like, like, how, like we're all, you know, big fans of something. My diehard fandom does not lie with fantasy stuff even lord of the rings i've never seen any of the lord of the rings movies and my girlfriend makes fun of me about it every day <laughs> i i put that like above almost everything i i it's I never it so it's never drawn me to the point of like you know i really want to see this because i'm just like it's okay i saw the hobbit uh when it came out and right. i saw the desolation of smog yeah which uh, actually fun fact most of the budget of that movie actually just went to getting benedict cumberbatch out of dragon form after he was done filming <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that is a solid ass joke right there. <laughs> I, I, I didn't come up with it, but I damn as well delivered it. Wait, wow. you saw two of the Hobbit movies and you've never seen any of the the I, Lord the, of the Rings trilogy? The Not even the first I, one? The reason I went to see The Hobbit was because Pop was like, it's before the Lord of the Rings movies. You don't have to have seen anything else. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, well, okay. In that case, yeah, it starts yeah. out in Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I figured as much when it was like retelling the story, but I, to me, like, my main Lord of the Rings character is um, Bilbo Baggins, not Frodo. Yeah, no, <laughs> but like, it, it, it's a whole honestly, generation that like, defined Frodo, defined right. their generation by Frodo. You're, you're not wrong okay. though. That's like that's the same with me because I grew up on that 1970s uh, oh. Rankin and Boss uh, cartoon. Yeah, the Ralph Bakshi one. And then there's that one that comes after, and then there's the they go back to the Rankin and Boss with the. Uh, with the return of the king oh, that's and that's right. what i grew yeah. up on and yeah i was so intrigued by that and i mean they did such great stuff with like i mean they did thundercats and they did flight of dragons yeah the gordon dixon book uh you know dragon and the george and all that but uh man i i was so enthralled that i mean i remember in fourth grade i picked up the hobbit and i read that thing cover to cover like two times <laughs> and, and that to me was like you didn't have like this media blast of like you can watch Captain America or you can watch Shazam or you go. We didn't have that, so it was like, all right, I had to pick this up and I I, I dove into it and it's like that's why that's always going to be my first love. So Lord of the Rings for me is like that's that's far and above just about everything. I I love when they in like the MCU when you dealing with like Bucky Barnes and Captain America and it, they make a Lord of the Rings reference yeah, and Sam turns to him like, oh yeah, that's from the Hobbit. He's like, I know, I read the Hobbit when it came out in 1937. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's yeah, so I would I would definitely recommend watch. I mean, I know it's a trilogy, but I would recommend 
at some point in time at least seeing the first one the fellowship of the ring yeah you'll definitely uh, understand more led zeppelin songs i'll tell you that honestly yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> I've, I've been listening to i sometimes i listen to um what is it ramble on and i'm like ramble oh yeah on, when, yeah that's when, the yeah, fellowship yeah. and then battle of evermore is the uh is a return of the king battle of the pelinor the fields I just went super nerd, guys. I'm sorry. I, I, That's all right. We each have their thing. We, you know, I, I, I would much prefer realistic fiction and science fiction over the fantasy stuff but that's just like what i'm immediately drawn to i'm not saying i don't like star wars it's just like my friends are diehard star wars fans they they know yeah. everything inside and out they grew up on the clone wars they've seen everything twice they could they, they could recite cool they have so much to content too to, like, like you said to grow up on that stuff they there was so few content in like the early 80s that it's like what, what did we get, guys? We had the 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 two, um, I almost said Hobbit, but the two Endor movies. Right, the one Ewok with Wilford movies. Brimley and, you yeah. know. <laughs> I'm tired of these Ewoks. <laughs> they all got the diabetes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it looked like a Land of the Lost sort of uh, graphics. And, oh, man. Oh, man. They're fighting the sleaze stacks. It's man, I, I saw... Go ahead. I was just gonna say I saw a good one where it was like uh, it was like oh when the stormtroopers are raiding Endor it's like oh we weren't expecting special forces yeah well if you idiots could handle some fucking bears with sticks we wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> yeah yeah you know those e those two Ewok TV movies they make Land of the Lost look like the Matrix <laughs> <laughs> really really they're that bad yeah wow <laughs> wow they're that bad that's a that is a great uh that's a great comparison oh my god that's amazing <laughs> and, and that's the thing too if you love star wars you you can like you can go back and watch all this stuff that there is and that's all available and, and i totally get it because I, I thought solo was a cool movie yeah and that wasn't that wasn't really one that was loved by the fans and all that but i'm like it was a good story yeah you've been a shit actor but it was a good story around him. I believe no? he was Han Solo. I mean, Spence, you and I saw that at the drive-in, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah I, oh, I, I like that movie. I had seen that and <laughs> I'm not, you know, wasn't a poster. It was followed by Infinity War. So there's that. Well, yeah. Um, that's nice. But I, I was like, I was happy, very willing and happy to see it. And I really enjoyed that movie. The Ewoks, though, are my favorite part of Star Wars, especially because in some of the media that they have, uh, there's a game where you play, you know, you're playing as like the, in the big battles, you're playing as the rebels, you're playing as the stormtroopers. When I play that with my friends, there's this one game mode called Ewok Hunt. And so, <laughs> and so what happens is there's, you have a group of like, like say like 10 people on one team. They're all stormtroopers, but they're locked into first person mode on Endor at night with flashlights. So you're locked into that. And then on one person on the other team is the Ewok and they have like third person view. They can see everything and they're tiny. So wow. when, they, when they kill one of the stormtroopers, that person then goes goes to the Ewok team. So the so the idea is that it just gets worse and worse as people start to die. That and it's absolutely it's terrifying when you're locked in first person and these tiny little bears are coming up and ankle biting you and you don't even know where they're coming from. <laughs> is that uh, is that Battlefront? Yes, yeah, uh, Battlefront okay. 2. Oh, it's, wow. it's so that that is one of my favorite type of infected type game modes. That is so scary. And then when you're playing the Ewok, you're like, this is so much fun. I throw this I throw this little spear at that big white guy and we're fine. <laughs> My understanding was that when they first were making Jedi, they were supposed to be Wookiees. But then George yeah. Lucas decided that, well, Wookiees wouldn't be so primitive. So they changed them to Ewok. That's cool. Wait, that's I heard they really changed cool. it for marketing. I, I had heard marketing. Yeah. They're oh, like, well, we could sell toys of these. 
and they did. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Which makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, but if they had been Wookiees, I could have bought the fact that the uh, the stormtroopers got their asses kicked. But <laughs> that's like, true. That Jedi, the whole thing with the Ewoks, that was one of the first times where growing up, I remember thinking that the movie had kind of pushed out and watered something down to make it less, I don't know, less scary or less violent or whatever. And I remember even as a kid, I wasn't thinking about it as an overall trend or anything, but that pissed me off. I was like, these, the Empire has conquered the galaxy. The Empire is feared by pretty much everybody everywhere and they can't beat a bunch of teddy bears with rocks and sticks i, I like that though <laughs> i really enjoyed that because as i said before there's some bears with sticks who wouldn't be having this conversation they didn't need special forces and i i really really enjoyed that i thought that was really really funny Spencer, if i could reach through the screen i would slap you but they compared it to like the vietnam uh conflict and i'm yeah. like yeah well, that's part come. of it. That's part of it is that yeah. it's all right. It's fine, fine, like... fine. Yes, they were on their home turf and yada yada yada. But I'm just saying, like, as a moviegoer, it <laughs> well, they could have nuked it. It. <laughs> it like destroyed the myth the, the concept that they had built up in the first two films was the Empire is to be feared and, and they're badasses, and then they turned them into a bunch of clueless clowns that got their asses handed to them. And I mean, it was just stormtrooper aim is stormtrooper aim. That's a running gag from the 70s. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. They have Cliff Clavin on there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Here's a question. So they always refer to the planet that the Ewoks are on as the moon of Endor. Does that mean there's a planet named Endor and this is one of its moons? Or is that just a way of saying it's called Endor? It's the moon of Endor. I always took it as there's a planet called Endor. And yeah, that there's a planet called, and then these guys are just chilling there. Justin, did didn't they go into that? Um, they probably did. When, when some of this stuff happened in like the last of the Star Wars movies. I don't. I recall. think they did because a lot of the stuff from the Star Destroyers fell onto this planet. So I think they answer that, and I think there is a planet called Endor. I uh, they there's done a lot of I've seen a lot of With hilarious the Kylo jokes. Ren stuff and all that. I think they they kind of oh. go into this stuff. I've seen a lot of hilarious jokes like uh, like uh, like there was this one funny bit of people playing Battlefront and one of the char- one of the the person the person playing the game was like, "All right, I'm just saying we should blow up Yavin 4." <laughs> and just and it just it just got funnier and funnier from there. And one of my favorite ones was, "Oh, yes, you are part of this uh, this monochromatic all-white group. I want you to go attack those ethnically diverse rebels." <laughs> oh my god. I-, I feel like they should have a mode where you actually search for female characters. Oh god. <laughs> With armor that like... has boobs on it. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you a little tall to be a stormtrooper? <laughs> well, yeah. I got my hair. Oh, <laughs> I just want to jump back super quick. Um, uh, well, I guess I'm not. This is kind of a, maybe it's a separate topic about the whole them them um, creating the PG-13 rating and trying to like decide how much is okay for kids to see. When I was six years old, there, you know, Roger and when when it's, when uh, maybe maybe you got Justin too. I don't. know exactly know how old Justin is, but um, for the, you, like, there was no PG-13. It was either PG or R. Right. And or G. When, or G. But, like, when I saw, when, when, you know, when I saw the original Star Wars, I was six years old, and the scene in the cantina where um, Obi-Wan chops the dude's arm off, 
and you see the arm on the floor with blood, you know, it's, I was just like, oh, fuck, that's awesome. Like, you know, like <laughs> I was six. Yep. It didn't traumatize me. It didn't give me nightmares. It didn't, you know, right, yeah. shatter my fragile concept of reality. It was just part of the movie. I heard that yeah. Lucas added that in to get the PG rating because it was going to be rated G. Oh, my God. Really? That's that's interesting. I mean, they have tons of small details like that uh, all throughout the franchise of doing certain things and i love the lore of star wars i mean the mandalorians their whole concept is oh jedis can block lasers here have some buckshot yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and, right and right. and they have uh you know that armor that blocks lasers too it's like why didn't anybody else think of that right yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and once again with the rating thing yeah there's some stuff that you can show to kids and some stuff you can't show to kids. And growing up, I had two two mentalities. One parent said, no, sex is okay. Violence is not. And the other one said, no, sex is not okay. Violence is great. That, that was my uh, household growing up. <laughs> the second I, think, one. I think I saw Barbarella at age five because they told us it was like He-Man. And um, <laughs> I don't think I've... I don't think I've turned back from that life-defining moment. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, I like whatever that is. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I've watched with Aiden now. We've watched a lot of, we watched all the Terminator movies, watched all the Predator movies, all not all the Alien movies, um, and uh, <laughs> what else? Robocop. You know, it's like he's right at that age now where he can start watching all these cool action movies that don't have sex because, as you know, sex is bad, violence is good. So, <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, hold on. It's kind of necessary in Terminator. It's concept. a large plot point. <laughs> Robocop's a little graphic, though. For a, Robocop is an R. Like, yeah, hard yeah. R. yeah. A, yeah it's not like Highlander point. hard R. But, it was almost know. given an NC-17. They had to cut it to get an R. Right. They, and, and he shoots a guy in the dick. Yes. <laughs> I, I liked it. You know, I oh, love, yeah. the, love the concept of we have this character here. We don't know much about him, but then we feel so awful about the way he lot was left the scene that we now are interested in seeing how he reclaims his life like that's that's really great it's just really really graphic to show to a child yeah. and, and the best thing you that know, really throws people off is you've got red foreman from that 70s show as the bad guy yeah that was great I love oh my that. god how did they miss out on him you know it's oh like, my god. he should have been doing more of these things he was so awesome as clarence bodiger yes. but but in my defense it's that's the kind of movie my parents would have taken me to see at that age oh yeah and i, know, I did I see those kind of movies yeah you did and it, and it fucked you up Hardcore. And here I am now. <laughs> I, I think Jaws is, is a great uh, coming of age film. And, and to, your, to your point about showing these to your kids, if you do it with them, that's a different experience than them watching it with their friends or them watching it, you know, uh, like I, I used to watch right. stuff that's like true. a latchkey kid because no one was home. And, and so here I am like, oh, there's a rain delay on the Red Sox game. So, you know, they're going to have total recall on, you know, that's different than like watching it with your dad. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and of course, they didn't true. show the third boob in in that version because <laughs> it was on, it was on like a uh, basic cable or something. That's so. funny. Yeah, and there's some yeah. stuff like sometimes when you experience a movie that has like some some specifically very scary parts. I mean, like the Matrix for the first 45 minutes is like not my favorite part of the movie, but then there's a just a turning point, and that's the stuff I remember as a kid. But I can now watch The Matrix and be like, okay, cool. This I can get past this like really, really intense, very scary scene. Oh my god, that's crazy! And then we finally get to the action stuff. But as a kid, it like didn't stick in my head for whatever reason. <laughs> right. Well, that, that naval that naval robot really messed. Oh, me. That was yeah. Just that like, was, yeah. yeah. Oh yep. Or him like all of a sudden his mouth disappears. 
Oh, that was awful. That freaks like me pulling out. Pulling goo out of his face when he's stuck in the pod. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yes. What did you guys think of of the last uh, Matrix? That's. I enjoyed it. I just don't remember I it. I gotta it. watch it, it again. It wasn't that good. I remember being slightly disappointed with it, and I remember the Wachowskis basically fell into the trap of, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna make Matrix Two, and they made Matrix Two, and it was really enjoyable, save some script writing critiques, and. Then they made Matrix Four, and they actually fell into the trap that they avoided, 20, you know, 10, 20 years ago, of making Neo like a, a complete and total loser for now most of this movie. And now we needed to have Trinity show up when we already had Neo. Yeah. <laughs> but I did, I did like the concept that the uh, machines changed up their strategy. Yeah. I did yeah, like it... that. I really loved Neil Patrick Harris. I thought he did a fantastic job. <laughs> Yeah, uh, truly. I, I thought it was really it was it was scary for me because I'm a game design major. So part of the whole thing is that he's a game maker. Oh, you're a game design major. I didn't know that. Yeah, that hits so different. Well, that's well, why. You, okay, what do you have I, uh, for movies then? You have that and Grandma's Boy. Uh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh, you don't know. Grandma? Oh, my God. You have to watch I Grandma's I, Boy. I don't know I that I, movie either. <laughs> it's it's a, uh, a Happy Madison movie with. Um, uh, Alan wow. Corbett, who was from The Wedding Singer, he was the driver okay. in that. If, if you remember that one, but um, it's it's about a uh, game designer, and he lives at home with his grandmother. <laughs> and it's it's kind of like a, uh, a, a I call it like a raunchy comedy or something like that from uh, from them. And there's some really really funny performances in it, and uh, it has like uh, uh, Shirley from uh, the Partridge Family. Oh wow. And, and uh, who's the Doris Grau? I think it, it was that her name, Doris from um, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. And that was the character's name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but but the main point is the main character is a game designer. So so now you've got two movies. Yeah, so, that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty funny. I, it's a, it's I like a good it a lot. movie. It's just I thought that the overarching message was like kind of really weak compared to the philosophical like front load they had in the previous movies that I was all for. And they devalued, you know, they devalued one of my favorite characters ever. And I was a little disappointed in that. Um, but the thing I thought was really good and scary was when they were like, yes, they now have these like drones that aren't really people that I thought was awful. Yeah, <laughs> that was terrifying. It was worse than the agents. <laughs> it made it made the agents feel like the, the, the you know, the preference because we can fight the agents and run. We can't run from these fucking, you know, mobs. <laughs> right, right. Spence, I want to comment on on how things have changed too. Where now you've got like all these bots on the internet. Yeah, and yeah. It was it's kind of like that. They kind of they did a good job reflecting, you know, how it is now, especially with social media and everybody's so abusive to each other. <laughs> uh, Spence, I wanted to tell the story. I I may have told this on the show once before about your first experience with the Matrix. Mm. Spencer is six years old. We're sitting on the couch. We're flicking through the channels, and I happen upon the Matrix, and it was somewhere in the middle of the movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this film. And he's like, oh, what's it about? And I explained to him the premise. And he's like, I want to see that. I'm like, okay. So I go to my shelf and pull the DVD off and throw it in. And I have never, ever in my life seen a six-year-old sit through a, a two-hour, I think it's two hours plus, a two-hour-plus yeah. movie with his jaw on the floor the entire time. He wow. barely said a word. He was captivated by this yeah. movie. And that's when I knew that, all right, that's that's the point. Five and six years old is where you start laying the groundwork <laughs> with this stuff yeah. because his yeah, mind, right. like literally like the meme, I saw his head just go. 
that's that's the age I saw Back to the Future and Ghostbusters and and those in like Goonies and like all of those movies stick with me today. And and you're exactly right. That was that moment of that they were ingrained. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it too because there's a because Ghostbusters one of my all-time favorite movies to this day will be Ghostbusters. And is it that good a movie? Probably not. But is it funny enough? Hey, 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 now don't (laughs) throw shade on the original Ghostbusters. But but every movie has its flaws. But this one, this movie is just so, not just even nostalgic. It's just so good. It holds up when you watch it again. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I love that movie. And and I probably did see that. And the sequel's good too. Yeah. It's it's it is quotable we and pop have done that i'm just seeing it and just putting it on mute and just saying some of the dialogue (laughs) raj how old is aiden now he's five oh he's five okay yeah that's why i can't wait to take him to see jaws (laughs) i saw they were filming that in my area i don't see it I do not want to go see Jaws in theaters just because I have seen it in theaters and yeah. I'm good. You <laughs> like know, I get Aiden, but like I'm good. Spence, do you remember we went to um the at the time we were in New Hampshire? And there was this Chunky Cinema Pub, which is you know one of those yeah. theaters you go yes. in, order food, and watch the movie. And um, oh yeah, friend, friend, wait. my brother after the movie. <laughs> He turns to he turns to Roger and go. I now understand most of what you say. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Oh my That's god! Great. Because you know, it's obviously, he's my girlfriend at the time. My girlfriend's son. It's my my wife's. Who's my stepson? But yeah, he's like now I understand half of what you say. Yeah, that was that was really funny because I'm like, well, yeah. Now, don't you get some of the references? I I showed Lauren Austin, my girlfriend Austin Powers, for the first time, and she's like, oh my god, I get it. <laughs> yep. There was a commercial on the other day, and it was about something oral, something like oral B or something. And I looked at Charlene. I go, well, I hope it's mostly oral. <laughs> so so you're saying your personality is, is uh, half Jaws, half um, Austin Powers? No, my personality uh, is entirely movie and TV quotes. I still quote okay. Three's Company to this day. <laughs> he's he said things to me that I repeat. I don't even know where they're from. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything's always a, a like, sight. Wow, that source. came from an episode of Kate and Allie. Deep <laughs> <cut>. <laughs> you know? Oh, thankfully, I never watched that show. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just pulled that one out. Although yeah. I am familiar yeah. with it, Jane Curtin. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Have any of you guys seen Samaritan yet? No, no. I was going to oh, watch no. it last night, but we ended up finishing Stranger what, Things. What is that on? It's, it's on Prime, isn't it? Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might actually watch that after this show. So, yeah, I'm probably going to go watch She-Hulk. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> I just want to see Blonsky. We were watching the final episode of the latest season uh, season of Stranger Things, and we were about halfway through and I paused it and I'm like, do you want to watch the movie or not? And she's like, I don't know. This is really goddamn good. We really should finish it. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> So we I cannot it. fault you for that because I, that is yeah. good. Oh my I have Season some words four about was really things. good. Oh my I, god! I, I've never seen Stranger Things. The only thing I what it's, it's an it's a weird oxymoron. I know, right? <laughs> it's a weird oxymoron for me because I'm a big D and D fan. So when they named the big monster Demogorgon, that's pretty great. But then when I have to sit my friends down and explain to them that the Stranger Things Demogorgon is nothing like the D and D Demogorgon that actually mm. affects my games, I'm like, guys, I know I'm gonna reality yeah, check you. They're playing uh, second edition. That's why. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, we are, we are fifth edition babies, and I will not learn well, AD and D. But the thing about the D and D in the show is that's how they relate to the world. So when they encounter yeah. a real monster, they need to 
put it in terms that they can understand. And that's why right. they, even if it's not exactly the same, because it's not, they know full well it's not the demigorgon from D&D, but that's what it actually no, behaves I, like. No, I know. It's just what ends up happening to audiences and stuff like that. Like, I was, um, there's this game that, uh, it's called uh, um, Dead by Daylight. And the part of the gameplay is it's like slasher versus, um, you know, people. And what ends- <laughs> So, what ends up happening is they have um they had the demogorgon as one of the monsters you could play as and then later on i saw some people online talking about like oh vecna could be a great addition to dead by daylight and i'm like hey wait vecna from dnd i'm like i love vecna he's in all my games he's a great character mm-hmm. holy shit he's a super fun god and then I was looking through the comments, and I'm like, oh, he's a Stranger Things villain, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and I had to look that one up. I've had, I, I've had those moments, yeah. I had like, to look him up. That's when you're like so villain. deep into geek. You're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my geek is better than your geek. That's how yeah. I felt. What, Dude, I, Stranger I'll Stranger. tell you a story. As someone someone said something to me. I was like, oh, who are you going to be for Halloween? They're like, oh, I'm going to be Medea. I'm like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah, the, the wife of Jason from Jason and the Argonauts. You know, when they went after the Golden Fleece, right. I kept going right. on like this for about five minutes like an absolute ass. And then she's like, no, like Medea goes to jail. And I was like, oh. Oh, I've heard of that. I don't even know who that is. I have not seen those. Yeah, but I was so deep into like the geeky part of like Greek mythology. Yeah. Oh my God, we can talk about this and stuff. It's like, no, it was not. Well, that's what I thought when you said it. I was like, oh, the. Because those are the circles we travel in. Well, that (laughs) was like Pat was telling me about. I, him and his wife, this was a while ago, a few months ago, they went to something, I don't know what it was, and he said, oh, it was like this drag, he goes, it's like RuPaul's Drag Race, and I'm like, okay, they're going to be racing cars, is no. it oh, indoors no, no, yeah, or outdoors, yeah. you know, I had no idea, I had to look it up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're huge into that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, like like my favorite one in pop culture these days is uh, my girlfriend's big into special effects and makeup and stuff. So she watches the show Face Off quite consistently. Now, my first experience with the term Face Off is a John Travolta (laughs) Nicolas Cage movie, which is very good, mind you. So whenever somebody mentions Face Off, I'm like, just to clarify, are we talking about my Face Off or your Face Off? Yeah, I could eat a peach all day. No more drugs for that man. (laughs) <laughs> that oh man it's i gotta like watch that looking movie. in a mirror only no did you, <laughs> yeah. guys, did you guys watch the uh the new nicholas cage the uh was it unshakable uh, uh unmassive massive talent the weight of massive no talent? Yeah, i heard yeah, that the was unbearable good. weight of massive yeah, that, talent i saw I heard that was awesome. theaters. i absolutely adore that movie and it and it ties into the mandalorian because you got pedro pascal in it oh and, uh, yeah it's it's such a meta movie and it's like I've never seen anything, in, probably with the exception of like uh, being John Malkovich, that was more meta than this film. That was it was so John Malkovich. I I, <laughs> I, I never thought we would go there today, but hey, here we are. Yeah, Spence, that's such a wonderful mindfuck of a movie. Spence, are you familiar with that? Right there, you've explained the concept that a lot. Someone somewhere at some point wakes up as John Malkovich, and it just gets worse from there. No, no, John Cusack <laughs> goes to this office where the ceiling's like four foot high or something ridiculous. The half and, floor. Yeah, <laughs> and he finds a small door, and he opens the door and goes inside and finds out that he's in uh, John Malkovich's head and he can see through his eyes and hear what he's hearing and all that stuff. And then something happens. I forget exactly what. And he gets flushed out of his ear and ends up on like the Jersey Turnpike or something. Oh, God. It is so bizarre. It's like (laughs) 
yeah, but it's Cameron an experience Diaz is in it Catherine Keener I think um, it's good it's actually good not to know anything about it just go see just go watch yeah yeah, definitely. yeah exactly. very surreal and it messed up and funny but enough I've, I've never been drawn to that either is I find sur- like surreal stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense or at least doesn't have a concrete answer by the end of the movie that actually gets on my nerves. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. you're not a fan of Time Bandits. Okay. Nope. Time Bandits was, oh, I hated that movie as a child. I hate it now. Um, the Shining, I hated Brazil. that movie yeah. then. I hate it now. Oh I, oh, stuff Brazil like that. Brazil is awesome. Yeah. I, I, I haven't know. seen Brazil in years. I know. I got to watch I, that again. Spence, I, I, I agree with you to a point. Like, if it makes a little bit of sense and, and they get me interested in what's going to happen and then they really don't go anywhere with it. That irritates me. But when it gets to a certain level of abnormal, like just, 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 it, there's no logic to this. It's just silly. You just have to accept whatever they throw at you. I mean, I can't always do that, but I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. I think to a point it just, what ends up happening is it sucks the fun out of watching the movie because I'm so confused yeah. that when I'm trying to piece it together, because when I'm watching a movie, I'm expecting at least a fully told story. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. I get I get craziness and stuff like that, and you want to set something up makes it different. Uh, like if you like my favorite my favorite anime ever, Attack on Titan. If you told that show in a like like timeline of events as they actually happened, you would get a very very lame show. So I get that you have to have some storytelling, but after a certain point, I get lost because I'm trying to piece it together. I'm like, ooh, what's the twist going to be? Oh, we really are just in this like crazy ass world. Okay, that's it. Shit. But Spence, that's, uh, that's over now, right? That's uh, fourth. Was it fourth or fifth season? That's done. Fourth season. I, I fourth, haven't actually yeah. finished that. Finished that. But if you if you played that through from a timeline of like seeing all of the events, it would lose the value of the first three seasons, first two well, and a half. Spence, and I know you 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 constantly shit on this movie, but I've told you before. You know, if you put <laughs> Pulp Fiction in order of the events in the film, the climax would happen somewhere in the middle. I I have seen Pulp Fiction. I like it. There's just a particular um, uh, moment that I think can be uh, removed. Well, yeah. <laughs> but besides that, if you're right, that's actually a good movie. <laughs> I didn't understand the necessity of that. It, it, I find it also movies to be is important because it changed storytelling. It changed the way that things were done. Like I mean, even like the soundtrack, the selection of movie, the way it was shot. Like it's. It's it's very like analogous to like a Citizen Kane type of moment for cinema goers because there were so many copycats of that movie afterwards. Right, it changed the zeitgeist. Oh, and so the, it's like, you know, oh, I, I get I get it. That yeah. but that movie's not surreal enough. It's just the storytelling oh, yeah, no, and the yeah. style yeah. is is what makes it a little weird. So it's a little bit like okay, cool. Oh, okay, John Travolta just got killed. Now we're watching a story of John Travolta in it. Okay, cool. This is clearly a different point in the in the thing. There's a consistency yeah. among that. Yeah. I it's I kind of like Kurt Vonnegut, you know, writing a little bit too, yeah. like leads into that sort of thing. So I, I guess if you're drawn to that sort of thing, it would make sense. But the, the, I mean, the thing about Pulp yeah. Fiction is the way Tarantino did the dialogue. They were characters like, for example, uh Jules and and what's his name John Travolta and yeah and oh Vincent. Vinny Vinny Vega yeah and they're they're hitmen but their dialogue is not driving the plot forward they're talking about everyday things they they you can relate to the characters because they're not telling the audience giving the audience information about the plot they're just living their lives having conversations that ordinary people have and you just watch the events unfold as they happen and that's to me what is makes that movie sort of important in cinema history 
Does he look like a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I do quote, I quote that consistently. <laughs> one, one of my favorite actors is in that scene, Frank Whaley. Which, um, who's he? he? He's the guy that he's saying that to. Oh, the kid. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kahuna Burger. They put a big slice of pineapple on it. <laughs> Mind if I take a sip? <laughs> I, I love Samuel L. Jackson. I watch anything with him in it. If his name's attached to it, I'm in. I love oh, the okay. fact that he basically fucking like strong armed his way onto the um the Star Wars scene with the purple lightsaber. Yeah. He's like, no, nah, I want to find myself in this battle. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I want to be able to see myself. And they, they added in great lore, but anything with Samuel L. Jackson in it is fucking awesome. He he makes the movie Snakes on a Plane worth I watching. I love that movie. <laughs> and that is such a controversial thing to say. But it, it delivers on what the title says. Right. Sometimes, right. Sometimes, on this plane. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you want. Sometimes right. you just want it's, some motherfucking snakes on that motherfucking plane. It's, it's, it's very it. self-indulgent, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what movies you just have be. to strap in and just enjoy it instead of trying to be like, that's not what would really happen. Ha- yeah, have yeah. you guys like, ever like heard? Cowboys and Aliens. You know? Right. Have you guys ever heard the um the on it's on YouTube? It's... Well, no, that's a different kind of suspension and disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever Watching heard uh, on YouTube they have uh, I don't know if it's still there, but it's um Samuel Jackson reading "Go the fuck to sleep." Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forget that he got famous at a really like later in life type age than yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah. I, um. Yeah. I remember I, him in Coming I, to America, the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Hmm. He was in Coming to America? Yeah, he, he tries to rob the McDowells, and then he gets hit with the mop from Akeem. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay, right. Yeah, I like Samuel L. Jackson. I don't have anything against him, you know, if he's given a good role and he plays it well. But the thing I that a lot of people love about him that I don't love about him is that it, he's so one-note that, like, all of his performances end up being him acting just, no, the I same. He's got like four continue. face expressions and one tone of voice, and you know. Hey, did you see Spiral? Oh, that was yeah. So he needed the, to be. He needed to be himself. in that more. He was really good in yeah. that. And a lot I more needed more of him what, in that movie. You yeah, you're right. Spiral. Okay, it's, it's the it's newest Saw movie. movie. Put it's, that on my list. And Chris Rock actually did a good job in that. Chris Rock had a lot of creative it's control just, in that. I love yeah. that movie. I think it's fucking hilarious. First Absolute of all. telegraph, though, of what was going to happen. I'm like, oh, here's what's going to happen. You know, oh, see what that's in the box? That's this. And I was like, uh, totally. I don't right. know. What's I in the box? Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't if go If you've so seen one, one Saw movie, you're, you pretty much have an idea of who the bad guy is. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's how it plays out. I mean, to me, the Saw movies are like a tightly written TV show because there's stuff in later films that goes back and explains things in the first yeah. few films. Yep. You know, the continuity is so tight in those movies. It's, it's amazing. I fucking love the Saw movies. Yeah, James Wan did a really good job on the ones that... Uh, did, I don't know if he did all of them. No, he didn't do all. I think Lee Winnell may have directed one or two of them. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with you. It's, it's a good series because it's not like watching Hellraiser and you're like, oh, how does this turn out to the other ones? Oh, it's not it, related it's at all. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Like, kind of like Halloween where it's like, oh, we are in a new timeline. <laughs> exactly. But you can watch Phantasm and you have the same characters going all the way through. And it's like, OK, cool. <laughs> Reggie's here. You know, I, yeah. I like the soft franchise. And yes, the critiques I've heard against it are pretty valid i mean it's it's they have some like backward storytelling and at some moments but overall i like it and i like what you said pop to an extent when you described it you described it as like a vigilante story yes 
in a way. And I kind of hope they lean Ooh. into that because that's really what Spiral was. Yeah. Was you think they'll make vigilante more? Story. And I, I hope, hope so. I hope they do because oh. – and. And Chris Rock, I, him and Samuel L. Jackson in the same scene together, pretty fucking awesome, my opinion. <laughs> pretty great. I wanted, I I wanted more of him in that because I thought he was so compelling. And and it, I I um I will disagree with you guys on the Samuel L. Jackson, but that is exactly how I feel about Jack Nicholson. So I understand mm. your passionate feeling about that because to me, Jack Nicholson always plays the same character, and and you're like, oh, let's give him an Oscar for uh, what he's playing and as good as it gets. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, he already did that in right. Batman and The Shining, and you know, like, like, what's the only original thing he did was was maybe Chinatown or um, Wolf. Uh, oh, Wolf. Oh my god! I, yeah, I, I was gonna, I I'm just gonna say one flew over the cuckoo nest. Okay, Wait, I see where that's you're a subdued, from. you know, Jack I, Nicholson. But otherwise, yeah. it's like if you see anger management. That's just him doing the same role. But that movie is fucking 11. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, geez. So I, I totally get what you're saying. I, I like Samuel L. Jackson because I've seen yeah. him in like, like Caveman's Valentine. He's different in, you know, The Incredibles. He's different in Django. He's not really different in The Incredibles, actually. I mean, I, I, well, well, from that not, movie. He's not yeah. saying the F word, but he's, yeah. you know, yeah. Where is my super That's suit? True. He is, no, he is a little bit different. You're right. You're right. <laughs> But I mean, I go back to like Amos and Andrew with Nicolas Cage and, you know, Die Hard the, with, and those. And it's and then you get to uh, uh, Jurassic Park and it's like, yeah, these are different flavors of the same actor. So Jurassic Park is the first him. time I'd ever seen him. Yeah. Same. Oh, really? no, wow. I saw him. He was in um, what's the Harrison Ford, Tom Clancy movie. The first one. Oh, clear, right, right, clear right. Present Patriot Games. Yeah. Pa- oh, Patriot Games. Okay. No, yeah, Patriot Games. Yeah, he was in that, I think, before That's Jurassic right. Park. Um, yeah, so he's, he's been in a ton of stuff. Real quick here, and then we're going to start to wrap things up. Um, I just looked it up. So Spiral, the latest Saw movie, um, its budget was $20 million, and its worldwide box office was $39 million. So it made the budget back and then some, but I don't know if that's going to warrant the sequel. Hopefully it will. Is it WB owned? Is what? Is it is it owned by Warner Brothers? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't say here. Yeah, because if it was a Netflix series, it would already be canceled. If it was, uh, you know, <laughs> yep. a WB movie, like they're, they're going in a different direction, you know. Um, I'm hoping what they do is they do lower budget, but then give it to some really like big fan of the franchise indie director and get and put Chris Rock in it. That's really all I want, because yeah, I would not mind Chris watching Chris it. Rock follow through the story uh, a little bit, because on, one of the things I I like about Saw, but I hope they don't do again. Was if you watch the franchise, we're following the villain mostly. So, yeah. I one of the things I like is this movie very much has a clear protagonist, and you know has a really really interesting dynamic with how things between between the protagonist and the antagonist work. And I hope we don't follow the antagonist the whole time, and then the antagonist changes a couple of times. It's like two and three is like the opposite, but kind of like it's like a triple cross. If you think about what you just said, going back to those movies, I'm like, damn, he's right. Except for two and three. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, even two and three, we're still like invested. We're big invested into the, the, at the end of the day, Jigsaw's the bad guy, no matter how you slice it up. He's not the, he's the main character, but he's not the, but he's like the killmonger because he's or like the Thanos, because it's like, he's somewhat relatable because he's clearly been wronged. Right. This is, this is true. But yeah. my point is with Chris rock, we have a clear protagonist. Now yes. Somebody yeah. who defies the, 
zeitgeist of being one of the followers. So instead of us following, you know, John Kramer and then Amanda and then Hoffman, we're gonna follow. We're gonna follow something else. That's what I hope right. they do. Is that we yeah? Get this. That's that's an interesting. Well, uh, and, I, I never thought about it. And John Kramer Jigsaw in the you know the first few movies, he is a lot like Doctor Anton Fibes from the Abominable Doctor Fibes and Doctor Fibes Rises Again. He's this sort of anti-hero who has been wronged. His wife was. You know, in his eyes, his wife was failed by these doctors. So the first movie, he takes revenge on them um, f- because she dies. And then the second movie, he's trying to bring her back to life. But he's got to kill anyone that gets in his way. And, you know, I think it's the same thing. Now, uh, real quick, I looked it up here. So Lionsgate owns the, the Saw franchise, okay. which is good. And according to an article on Looper from... I'm having a hard time seeing. On May 14th of this year... The writer said that basically um, a new script is in the works. Yeah, I've, oh. I've read that. I've read that like there's a lot of stuff that they want to do, that they want to bring Tobin Bell back. They want to make like a Saw X and stuff like that. Saw in I'm... space. Yeah. They already have it. It's called Event Horizon. I love it. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's funny. my favorite horror franchise. I remember and... that, that first movie is one of the many that Roger... Uh, sat down to watch with me after he had seen it, but I had never seen it. And I think it was, uh, I'm guessing that it was kind of an enjo- uh, like a hobby for him to watch me react <laughs> to things when like he knew what was coming, but I didn't. And then, you know, he would just watch me freak out. <laughs> I love doing that. The end of the first movie, when the guy sits up at the end, I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. like, my mind. I, I ran a blockbuster and I can tell you that we ran out of that movie just like on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. like, and, and people would come in and they would rent, you know, all of them in order all the way. Like, Oh man. And, and saw never, ever waned in possible in, in um, like just a uh, popularity. Wow. Yeah. It's got a very dedicated fan base of which I am now a part of, and I'm very yeah. happy to be here <laughs> uh, <laughs> overall. That's awesome. All right, guys, well, we've been going at it for quite a long time now. So we're going to wrap things up here because we could literally talk all night long. Probably true. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got you got like a two episode uh, thing going on. I know. I was <laughs> thinking. I might, depending on how long it actually turns out to be, it's hard to tell because I started it later in the timeline. But either way, we're going to continue with doing the show on a regular basis. Maybe you know once every other month or once a month, wherever we can schedule it in. Because I think this is fun. I think it's interesting. I love shooting the shit with you guys about this stuff. And um, you know, there's so many other. things things to talk about. I mean, we've talked a lot about the MCU and the DC extended universe and all that stuff. And we had a few tangents here and there, but I think there's a lot of cool stuff that we could, we could be really getting into. So Justin, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you online? You can check me out at uh, the Epic Tales from the Sewers Ninja Turtle podcast. So uh, there's two kind of uh, ways that I do the show. First, I read through the comics and I'm doing the, uh, the run from 2011 the IDW run that's actually still going on right now and the uh, turtle comics from when I was a kid, the turtle adventures. And I actually go through it. I do the character voices. So my goal was to have something where you can sit down. Maybe you want to listen to it with the kids or anything else like that. You can learn the stories because the origin story is way different in this one. So, you know, and, and the goal is to keep it going all the way through current, but along that journey, I've also kind of started reaching out and interviewing people like the creators, like I've had Kevin Eastman on, you know, so um, having people who are either like artists or writers or things, you know, I had the guy that uh, wrote a book about um, gross pizzas. 
I had a guy that wrote a book about the Ninja Turtle action figure line. So it, it gets <laughs> kind of like down those sort of things. So it's, but it's all turtle adjacent. So, you know, cause that's, that's one of my passions. One thing that I love and I'm fascinated with. That's so awesome. That's there, awesome. There's that. Um, we have a Batman show on the Dorkening network with uh, Leo Pond and Brandon Powers and myself called the Dork Knight. It's a biweekly show. And our <laughs> other, our other show is uh, called comics paradox where we talk about what ifs. We did the the book, uh, What If Jane Foster Became Thor? And um, all of us were just like really surprised with how awful this book was. And it was like one of those things where like, wow, they're basing a movie on this. This is, it was literally one of the lamest comics I've ever read. And, and, and um, it, it's so funny because I'm not a huge fan of Thor, but like literally like he just constantly goes, oh, she'll never love me because I'm lame. And we're like, yes, yes, exactly. But you but are. it's just like we'll, we'll do that. Like we we've talked since Brandon is such a huge fan of Superman. We've talked about like all these alternate Superman uh, books, like The Last Son of Krypton, where you know he is a human that came to Krypton instead of him being you know um, sent to Earth. And it's like, such a juxtaposition. Yeah. It's like and it's really interesting to get into these because Brandon's mm. really into those sort of like alternate reality things. So you know that's that's fun. But yeah, uh, comics paradox and. Um, and the Dork Knight podcast and Epic Tales from the Sewers. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love that. So I just want to say thank you, Justin, and thank you, Mike and Spency, for joining us on mm-hmm. the uh, for our, this first episode of the show within the show called Pop Culture Chat. And, folks, we'll be doing this on a regular basis. You know, you can check out our other shows at havenpodcasts.com. And, uh, you know, Then Is Now Podcast is on all the podcasting apps. So if you like what you're hearing, please go to wherever you download them from. And and if you could leave us a great review, that'd be awesome. It'll bump us up on the algorithm so other people can find us. Um, If you want to chime in about what we've talked about today on Pop Culture Chat... You know, we'd love your opinion. We, we went over quite a bit of stuff today. So we, there's got to be somebody out there with an opinion. So please send us your email at thenisnow42 at gmail.com and put pop culture chat in the subject line. All of our links, uh, including our YouTube, YouTube page, will be in the show notes. So I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Rigor out.
For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.